This is episode nine of the Sovereign Path podcast. I'm your host, Devin. Today, my guest is one of my favorite content creators and influencers on Instagram. He is one of the most sincere and positive people I've ever met. His name is Nature Chad. So most of you know him. Some of you don't. How are you doing today, man? Hey, man. First off, thank you very much for inviting me here because you're one of these guys, you know, in the solar sphere that is the most genuine, the most, you know, you carry, you can say you carry your heart on the sleeve. And that's the one thing that I appreciate the most out of all people, you know, to just express themselves unconditionally to say what they mean. And really, you know, you can feel the passion in every, every word. And that's something, you know, that just, just, just goes so in line with what I believe. And so I'm just very happy to be here. I'm doing good. I hope you're doing good as well. And yeah, let's, let's just get into this conversation, man. Yeah, I'm doing well, man. Um, I'm very thankful that my year is starting off really well. So is yours. You just dropped your cookbook right before yeah. the uh, the start of this year. Which, by the way, if y'all haven't bought his cookbook, go to his page, hit his link tree, and get his cookbook because it's uh, it's all Croatian and Baltic recipes which are very interesting. So get his cookbook, upgrade your life, learn some new, uh, learn some new recipes and cuisines. Maybe it's, maybe it's your first endeavor into cooking for yourself period, which is a form of sovereignty, which is, you know, my podcast is called the sovereign path for reason. It's all about, um, sovereign men coming in here and, and expressing themselves. So what, um, what made you decide to put a cookbook out? Well, it's something that I've been very passionate about, you know, cooking for my whole life. Um, my, my my biggest, you know, inspirations are my grandma, my mother, and just this culture, at, you know, in, in the whole. Um, you know, like like I, I went even to high school. I had four years of culinary classes. I all, did all of these things, and but none of them really meant so much to me as just like my love for cooking and uh, not just the like nutritional aspect but the aspect mm -hmm. of uh, like really experiencing and socializing and just having a good hearty meal you know that uh, warms up your soul so i i looked around you know in the internet and i was like you know what no one is really making something that is both healthy and some and, and really like enjoyable that carries a story with it so i was like you know what i love this i love doing this let me try to make a cookbook um so yeah long story short like i worked about four, uh, six months on it i had the idea less uh, like 2020 i had the idea but i used the last six months to work on it and i i'm very proud of it because oh, you're muted hang on like i said there we go okay you, you cut off for a brief spell like two seconds yeah uh like i said uh like i'm, I'm really happy because i really just poured all of my soul like i shared some stories about my family basically and it's just something that i'm sure that people will love because yeah it's healthy it's, it's delicious it has some meals that aren't as healthy um, mm -hmm. but that's what i talked about in the book we're, we're not supposed to be always at like 10 out of 10 performance because that's impossible mm -hmm. to achieve we will be just psychotic we will just go crazy we, we need to strive to be at least you know eight out of ten or nine out of ten and leave the room for enjoyment leave the room for yes. experiencing life experiencing culture so that's what I try to do. Well, the reason why the reason for the reason why we're supposed to be so disciplined with our lives, with our with our physical fitness, our 
our mental fortitude, our spiritual well-being is so that we can earn those rewards by indulging in something delicious like a dessert, for example, or, you know, like hot chocolate, a stack of pancakes, something yeah. sweet and indulgent. I mean, it wouldn't, it wouldn't really be a complete cookbook without some, you know, some cheat meals or some exactly, indulgent yeah. desserts. And I like that you added some stories in there about your family because that at the end of the day, I don't, a lot of people, I don't think a lot of people really understand how deep and enriching cooking is. I mean, I, I for one find it very therapeutic. I love cooking my own meal and not simply for the fitness benefits of choosing my ingredients, knowing where it comes from. But like you said, there's cultural ties to it. So it's a form of cultural pride and, 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 and even, uh, even better than cultural pride, it keeps you tied to your culture, your understanding. Going, like, you stay in touch with your roots. You know where mm-hmm. you come from. And that's very important because cooking is a pathway to keeping cultures alive. I mean, what's, what's one of the things that you always hear about with tourists when they go to some foreign place, whether it's Europe or Asia yeah. whatever they want to try the place's food they want to try their national dish that's why countries have all countries tend to have a national dish or several national dishes or a national dessert like if you come to the southern united states you're going to want to try fried chicken yeah you're going to want to try biscuits and gravy you're going to want to try grits because that is a cultural staple and so these cuisines transcend mere palatable delicious food that tastes really good and sits warm in your belly it's literally a cultural experience and also what you touched on about just how good a home-cooked meal is i i think there's something transcendent about that when you make a meal with love and personally for myself what's even more satisfying than cooking a good meal for myself is cooking a meal for my loved ones whether it's my family or my friends there's something really special about that and i don't think that i'm saying anything heretical and that I believe that there's a, like a spiritual reward for that, not just because you're feeding someone, but because you're really, like you said, you're pouring yourself into it. The best of yourself yeah. is in that food. And in fact, I was, I was just thinking about this. Um, I was thinking about this earlier today and it was a thought that had crossed my mind some months ago. When we look at our food and where it comes from, I think, okay, so uh, this is really more on the, on the concept of meat. Because meat mm-hmm. comes from living things, comes from animals, and we talk. Um, so in Juda- in Judaism, they have kosher meats, and then in Islam, they have halal meats. And mm-hmm. obviously, these are two different religions, but the concept is essentially the same. There's a a divine ritual in slaughtering these animals. You're invoking God's name. You're treating the animal right. You're killing it as cleanly and as painlessly as possible. And that's why that meat is better for people to eat. There's a spiritual aspect to it. And so when I was thinking, when I was thinking about that deeply, I wouldn't, I, I, I think that that's accurate. I think that if I were to eat a steak from a cow that was killed cleanly and as painlessly as possible, the animal was never abused versus me eating a steak from a cow that grew up in a factory, got abused, got treated like mm-hmm. shit, was basically scared and stressed out its entire life. I think that has metaphysical effects on people. Yeah. And you know what? I, I actually experienced experience this hands-on because at a certain period of time, I was a vegetarian, actually. And you know what? It's not that something special about vegetarianism, but it's just that I wasn't eating 
the crappy meat. Like I wasn't mm-hmm. eating uh, stuff that was uh, in the big factories, the the cows, the chickens that never saw the light mm-hmm. of the day, you know. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I've noticed how calmer I was. I was literally more calm. I was more grounded. Um, and I was like, yeah, this is because of vegetarianism. This is because, you know, I'm eating uh, non-animal products. But I realized when I started eating better animal quality products, I'm feeling even better. So it's not mm-hmm. just, you know, so it, it really does, does come down to, you know, quality of our food and just the way, and it goes along with cooking, you know, the way it's prepared, the same way mm-hmm. as the way animal was treated. All of it comes together, you know, like there's that funny study that's it's quite true, actually, that you can say like nice words to water and, and it's apparently better for you. It, it all goes together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Um... Anything we do in Islam, we're supposed to say Bismillah, which means in the name of God. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I when I had first converted to Islam and I understood how to live as a Muslim. This was back in 2015. And I remember going to my kitchen in my barracks and I opened up the fridge and I had some uh, I had these uh, these apples in there. Mm-hmm. And I remember I grabbed this apple and then right before I took a bite, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to invoke God's name. It's the first time I had ever done it. Mm-hmm. And so I did. I invoked God's name before I took a bite of that apple, and I took a bite out of it. And I swear, to this day, I have never tasted a more delicious <laughs> and fulfilling apple in my life. Like, like just the fact that I can still remember that. And this was, I said, mm-hmm. back in 2015. So this is six years ago, almost seven years ago now. Yeah. There's there's definitely something to that, and I yeah, you're right. I think it'd be the same way with water. If you invoke God's name, and it adds a, a divine touch. And I know that any atheist or agnostic who listens to this is going to disregard that and they might even the more intelligent ones might say something along the lines of well that's just a psychosomatic effect even if it is who fucking cares exactly. even yeah, if exactly. it is even if it's psychosomatic and it's all a conjuring of the mind mental tricks so fucking what if i still enjoy it better that's going to improve my mood which is therefore going to improve my life so there's this is pretty much bulletproof as far as I'm concerned, but yeah. I am I am religious. I do believe and acknowledge God's existence, so I do believe that there's a spiritual aspect to the the stuff that we put in our body, the stuff that we consume, and how we consume it, and the background of what we consume. And I think mm-hmm. that science, when done properly, only verifies that. I don't think that it it contradicts yeah. it. Yeah, of course. I know, I, I always say that with everything. Uh, before, like, I was also a big, you know, agnostic and stuff like that. And I, even, not a taste, a taste, but somewhere along those lines. And I was always saying, like, why do I need, like, uh, God? Why do I need, bec- I can do it on my own. Mm-hmm. And and I was saying, like, this is all in our head. If we believe something, then we will, you know, be it will be easier to get through something. And I was like, who needs this? But now that I'm more mature, I'm like, I... Whatever helps me get to my goal, uh, it doesn't matter if if it's made up, if it's something you know from fairy tales. If you believe in it, it will help you. Same way with you know some supplements. It could be placebo. It could be stuff like that. I do not care if it helps me feel better. I you know I will I will take it. So mm-hmm. it, it's it's ridiculous how many how people will try to go to lengths to try to deny these things. But however you look at it. If you have strong belief in something, you will get more results. I think it's the unknown that scares those people the most, the atheists and the agnostics, the people who don't want to believe in the the divine mysteries of life and 
mm-hmm. the things that science can't explain. They're trying to fill the gaps with rationale and logic, which I understand that's a human disposition. Yep. And I try to do that myself. What's hard is to submit to the reality of, I don't know, because when we say, I don't know, it, it opens up the doorway to, well, maybe I was wrong or I was wrong. Yeah. And that from my own experiences and just seeing other people with that mindset, it's so hard to submit our egos like that and get our, and get out of our own way. Basically mm-hmm. people don't, Every, everybody wants to see God just part the heavens and step down and say, look, here I am. Yes. But if they would read religious scripture, they could see that that's happened before and people still denied it. <laughs> Jesus walked the earth. Other divine prophets walked the earth. Moses split the sea in front of people and it yep. still wasn't enough. Even after he split the sea and got all of the, uh, all of the Jews out of Egypt, they still ended up sinning later on down the road. Mm-hmm. So God can perform divine miracles through prophets who are a conduit for his will and people will still deny it or they'll see it and they'll accept it. But then later on, they'll still fall to sin because we're humans and to be human is to have flaws and weaknesses. And, mm-hmm. and that's, that's the story of human existence. Uh, but you know, it's crazy because every time I, uh, every time I talk with atheists and some of them are very respectful. So I'm not, mm-hmm. This isn't me belittling them. I understand that they're they're lost, and a lot of them are very wounded. What I what I always see with them is that it's not so much that they don't believe in God, it's that they're angry at them or that they hate them because they had a really terrible experience with the wrong religious kinds of people, or they just got dealt a bad hand in life, period. And rather than try to play the best they can with that hand and then reshuffle the deck later on, like I've said before, they just blame they just blame God for everything. And, and I mean, look, they're not wrong. Technically, yeah, it is God's fault. He yeah. created everything. Yeah, it is his fault. So fucking what? It's also your fault. What are you gonna do with it? Are you gonna yeah. just keep blaming people and constantly be a fucking victim? Or do you want to understand what true power is, which is submitting to God and saying, Okay, these are my trials and tribulations for my life. I'm going to level myself up fail and try again. And then as long as I keep my faith in you and I keep my head on a swivel and understand objective right and wrong, and I strive towards nobility and virtue in a virtuous lifestyle as much as possible, I can win this life. Cause that's, you know that's the only way yeah. that I've gotten anything. The only th- only way I've gotten anything good in my life is by submitting to God and trying and trying again and not getting disheartened every time I fail. And I'm not saying that losing sucks. It absolutely sucks. It sucks. Yeah. It's embarrassing, especially when you lose in front of other people or they found out that you lost. It's fucking humiliating. Yeah. Nobody wants to admit that they've lost. Everybody would love to have ideally a perfect track record, but we need those losses as a, as a contrast in order for us to appreciate the victories and the triumphs that we do get in this life. Because they wouldn't feel as good without the pain of those losses. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and what you said before, I can totally relate. Like for, for you know, people that don't believe that they are, they had bad experiences. Because I was literally, you, you literally just kind of explained my whole story with being not believer, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you experience certain things, not just from life. But so, for example, someone in your family could have done something, you know, that is maybe restrictive or something that is maybe just made you look at the whole aspect of religion in the wrong way and then you mm-hmm. like you said you start hating uh, the religion it's not that you 
literally don't believe, but you hate everything that's about it, that's around it. So, and I was in the same spot. But, and when I realized, you know what, let me do that. Let me try to submit. Let me try mm-hmm. to finally put down my guard and see what happens to me. Like, like I'm fighting all this time. Like I'm constantly trying to get better, but let me see what happens if I just let it all go and mm-hmm. uh, and let God carry me. And that's this is recently. This is in the past six months I'm talking about. You know that I'm really trying to go deep into my belief, my belief system, my prayers, and mm-hmm. and something you know that's been happening to me is just. I know it's just, there's just something beautiful about being uh, realizing that you know what everything is for a reason, um, mm-hmm. and when I when I pray, you know what I say? I say, thank you, God. You already gave me everything. You already gave me the struggles. You already gave me the the good things in life. You don't need to do anything for me. God bless do, uh, bless those that around me. Bless my family. Bless my friends because mm-hmm. I already know that you've done everything for me and it's just up to me to follow your path and th- and that that's what the like the biggest uh, realization in my prayers has been lately like god gave me this path and i can just thank him for that and i can and i can perhaps help him help other people basically with my prayers mm-hmm. because i know that god is always here god is always here for everyone mm-hmm. but it's just up to putting down your guard you know to letting uh, God come into your life. Yes, absolutely. I know for myself, one of my biggest struggles was trying to find the line between doing everything myself because I didn't want to, I didn't want to shift my own personal responsibilities to someone else, including God. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I didn't want to fall into that egotistical trap of no, I, I personally have to do every single thing and not let God carry me through. My uh, so when I was first coming back to God and, and getting my life straightened out, I was trying to make up for lost time, and then I would get exhausted. And I used to and I used to think, and I used to think in my mind like, "Well, you're just exhausted because you're fucking weak. You need to try harder. You need to try harder." And at the time, I was also in the army at the time still, mm-hmm. so a lot of that military mindset played into like, "No, you just need to suck it up and and keep going." And there and there are times where a man has to do that. He has to really dig deep and push it to the next level. But there are other times where, like you said, you, you have to submit and let God carry you through. And so the first few years, and, and sometimes I still struggle with this, is trying to find the line between, okay, this is my load to bear by myself. I have to personally do this. And then also recognize the moments where I have to take a break and let God carry me through this and, and put faith in him that he's going to reward me for my sincerely good deeds and forgive me for anything I've done wrong, either currently or in the past. Mm-hmm. And finding finding that line is, is not always so easily defined because none of us want to yeah. be lazy. None of us want to be lazy. You know, for, for people who are true believers and they're really sincere and they're really trying to glorify God in this life, none of us want to be lazy. We don't want to, we don't want to, give everything to God. You know, those are those people that think that they're going to buy their meal ticket to heaven yeah, exactly, just yeah. purely through faith. They don't have to do anything. They can just basically lay down and God will carry them through everything, which is the wrong answer. But then there's also the other extreme are the types that heap every single thing purely on themselves and they don't give God any leeway to carry them through. And I think it's really vital to find a balance 
where we recognize that the load has gotten a bit too heavy to bear at the moment and just to let God mm-hmm. carry us through and, and give him that because God, God wants to reward us when we're striving really hard in this lifestyle. He wants to reward us by easing our burdens. Yeah. Yeah. But, but that, I think like the way I find this balance is like I said, uh, just knowing that everything is from God, you know, obviously there, mm-hmm. there are demons, there are stuff that, uh, that, uh, aren't, but I just look at it this way. Like, um, he's always with me and mm-hmm. I am the one who is responsible for, uh, getting the tasks done. And of course it will get tough, but even in, in the easier tasks in, the, in, in both scenarios, it's me who is doing it with God's blessing and with God's power. Because he gave it to me, you know, it's literally like life, God, whatever you believe, universe, gave you the tools, and now it's up to you to play the game, to either level mm-hmm. up or not. He literally presented everything for you. Um, and now it's just up to you if you're fo- going to follow that path. Um, a lot of people don't follow the path. A lot of people try to, make, try to think they are bigger than God. They try to think they mm-hmm. are, you know, in some ways uh, outside of this game. That mm-hmm. they are somehow special, but everyone is in this game, and you can either follow the path or, or completely lose yourself. Now mm-hmm. the path is not same for and everyone. You know, mm-hmm. you you are you are Muslim right now. I, I you know I, I'm I'm from a Christian background, but it's the path of, you could say you know like the name of your podcast, but it's it's it's, a, it's a, like this path, um, of I guess being. A, a godly man, like God-fearing man, being a, someone who is taking actions, taking responsibility, and appreciating the gifts, and that's it. Like that is the part that God presents us, mm-hmm. and we can take it or we can suffer uh, from the negatives, from the demons. Mm-hmm. We can start getting addicted. We can start getting short-term pleasures. We can start, uh, you know, to just live this life that is full of. Uh, hatred mm-hmm. and basically that's it you can choose you can choose to follow the god follow whatever you think this is because no one knows but there is this energy there is this divine energy mm-hmm. uh, or you can suffer that that's how i view it right now exactly yeah i, I absolutely agree there's a lot of people who try to cheat code their way through life by going on a left-handed path for lack of better words mm-hmm. and that's very dangerous because to do that means to make your morals fluid and not understand the reality of objective right or wrong, you know, good or evil. It's insane because I, I know people who believe that. They believe that good and evil are subjective. <laughs> and and look, and I'm not saying that everything can be put into those categories. Yeah. There's a lot of gray in this world. There are a lot of things that are, um, that are, that are morally fluid or they're not – they're not so stark that they can be called good or evil. But then there are things that are objectively good or evil. If I sacrifice myself for someone else's life that I care about, there's no fucking way that anyone can tell me that what I did was evil. I literally mm-hmm. gave my life on this earth so that someone else could live. And then on the other side of things, an evil, how can anyone look, look someone else in the eye and say, you know what, I don't think that human trafficking is evil. How the fuck is it not? How is sex trafficking not evil? You are literally yeah. enslaving someone, stripping them of all their personal sovereignty, making them powerless and weak, while you do whatever the fuck you want to them 
violating them in some capacity and ruining them. That is, that's fucking evil. That, that's yeah. the only thing that it is. It's evil. It's wicked. It's nefarious. There was, there's no moral justification for that. And I, and I know what, what the worst of people will say is that they're doing it to gain power. I mean, that's the, that's the problem. That's the entire problem, in my opinion, is that those type of people, they're not seeking truth. They're seeking power. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't want to submit to God and they don't seem to understand or acknowledge that true freedom and sovereignty comes through submission. That seems like a contradiction when I say that. But I'm more powerful now than I've ever been, but that's because of my submission to God, to the Almighty, to some to the grand creator of all of this. It's not because I try to seek power through some other way, through some dark false gods or demons. And things mm-hmm. like that. I mean, I was agnostic for five years, and that was not sustainable. It was not sustainable at all. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, my my mindset was that I didn't want to be a hypocrite, so I never called myself religious. I didn't call myself Christian or anything because I wanted to be honest with myself, which mm-hmm. I was. But just because I was honest with myself and my desires, it wasn't good for me. It was still self-destructive. I was no better than an animal because – yeah. everything I did was hinged on a feeling or urges or temptations. And, and that's not good. Man needs to tame himself. Man needs to tame himself to a certain degree. There are times to, to let go. If someone kicks my door in and wants to be violent. Yeah. That's the time for me to let myself go and defend myself as I need or defend a loved one. But we can't be like that all the time. We're no different than animals. And God created us to be the highest beings on this world. We're not animals. We are plugged into nature but we're not animals. We're still a higher level creature. We are the apex on this planet. Yeah. And th- that's the point. That's a good point, you know, about being in tune with nature, but also, you know, about it. Mm-hmm. Um, when when the, people like you and I talk about nature, people will always like say, yeah, but animals kill each other, you know, there's stuff like that. But it goes beyond that. Like mm-hmm. our connection with nature is is just... You know, we are we are made we are literally a part of nature like everything mm-hmm. that in our body is part of nature like mm-hmm. it's it's inseparable and i believe there's just, just layers to this like layers um mm-hmm. for example first off the layer is obviously if you respect the nature's laws for example if you treat nature right if you treat others right that's that's one layer you know to have this mutual respect mutual respect to the animals that you eat to the plants, plants that we eat, just this appreciation. Mm-hmm. But this, like this level of, like companionship, goes beyond that. It goes in human relationship. You know what? And that, and that's where the we can see actually why uh, good and bad is not uh, subjective. Because mm-hmm. for there's you can call this karma. You can call this whatever you want. But if if you do certain activities, you will get rewarded. And you will know they are the right activities. And if mm-hmm. you do the bad activities, life, nature, God, it will punish you. So no one can tell me something is, you know, subjectively good or bad. Because when when you literally do something, if you do it good consistently, if you do it with good intentions, you will get something out of it. Now, this especially if you don't do it because you know you will get something good out of it, because, mm-hmm. because you feel it. And the problem is we are so distant from the nature that we don't have this feeling in ourselves we, mm-hmm. we don't feel this anymore like okay this is the gut feeling this is the right thing to do because like everything we do now is stripped away like from our jobs from the food we eat from the 
technology, like obviously there are advantages. We are talking right now. That's beautiful. But when you don't know how to use it, when you are completely in this whole new era, you lose the sense of good and evil. You lose the sense of uh, connection with this earth, connection with other people. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about layers. Like all of it is connected. And the funny thing is, all of this can be realized if you start going outside without distractions. If you just start being in nature, you will get your, you will start feeling this beautiful connection, this beautiful unexplained connection that, you know what? Every, every bullshit in the world, yeah, it's happening. But nature is always the same. Yes. I'm here. The trees are swinging, you know. Uh, the sun is on me. Everything is just as it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And and when do you feel this, like, in the regular day? When when do you get this feeling, like, oh, everything is, is great, you know? Like, rarely. People are always rushing. People are always doing something. Mm-hmm. But nature le- teaches you that you need to be so patient. Like, maybe mm-hmm. even something will grow maybe after your time is done here something will you know like this this tree i have in my garden it's literally the same age as i and uh it is it is not it is my height and who knows how how high it will go after me you know mm-hmm. that's what that's what you learn like so many things for example from social dynamics from the things how we behave you know uh, male, male to female behavior the way you know the famous uh, Bronze Age pervert quote, you know, the chimps uh, masturbate in the in the captivity. Captivity, yes. Yeah. There's, there's so many things, and obviously, <clears throat> there's stuff like you could say, of course, like I said before, you, there are murders, there are stuff like that. But that's also in our nature. But thankfully, we are gifted with our mind, with our mm. rationality, with and our consciousness. Exactly, with our consciousness. And when you have consciousness, you can see okay well i can use the good things that nature gave me and resist the urges you mm-hmm. know that are bad and that the temptations the you know if we were animals we would just kill each other over food for example yes. you know but yes. that's why we are gods creatures obviously everyone's mm-hmm. gods creatures, but we are made by the image of god mm-hmm. and that's why we have this beautiful consciousness in which we can literally if the people don't realize our mind has the power to literally do anything like mm-hmm. if we if we set it right if we set the programming right if you if you actually start to understand that your mind is not your enemy but your friend then the the obstacles in the world are gone you, if you conquer your mind if you conquer yourself obstacles are gone and i'm telling you like this is not some special revelations i'm not some special guy I literally, this some things that I discovered that I'm talking about right now, I discovered two years ago when I was just drinking my coffee in my garden. Mm-hmm. That's it, alone, spending like, I did that dopamine detox stuff for mm-hmm. a few months, um, just just being, uh, just focusing on the small, on the, on the work, training, and being alone. Mm-hmm. And all of this came from nature. So I'm, I'm sure that anyone listening to this, you know, can benefit from starting to, going for walks without headphones you know without music without stuff like that mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. perhaps listening to your and mine podcast but other than that uh, nothing else but yeah you know what i mean like nature i know we wanted to talk about this but yeah that this is what nature is for me like mm-hmm. this whole uh, learning experience like this whole reality i'd say if you're on earth you need to respect nature simple as that absolutely i mean it's 
you can find it in all Abrahamic scriptures talking about the divine connection between man and nature. And as long certain animals are considered sacred, such as frogs, bees, ants, there's a few others. But mm-hmm. And also, we're not permitted to take the life of any living thing unless we're either defending ourselves. So if, like, if I got attacked by a wild animal, like a mm-hmm. lion or something, obviously I could kill it in self-defense. Or if I'm going to eat that animal. So if I'm, you know, we're allowed to go hunting and fishing. But we have to kill that animal as cleanly as possible. You know, we can't draw it out and torture it. Mm-hmm. So we're allowed to do all that. <clears throat> and nature, like you said, nature is a, is a wonderful teacher. For me personally, when I watch animals interact with each other, whether it's through nature documentaries or I'm seeing it with my own eyes, it makes mm-hmm. me cherish my own life when I see how it's not even really cruelty because I think a lot of people make this mistake of holding animals to human standards. So when they see when they see a lion rip the fetus out of a pregnant zebra, they think, oh, that's so evil. That's so cruel. Well, what y'all don't understand is, and look, I'm not saying that that's not disturbing. That's absolutely fucking disturbing, especially <laughs> yeah. knowing that a lion will do that to you. But they're not evil. That's not an evil animal. That animal does not have the consciousness that we have. They don't. Now, I'm not saying that they're stupid. They're not stupid. They're incredibly smart animals. And, in fact, a lot of people underestimate just how fucking smart animals really are a lot of times. Mm-hmm. But they're not evil either. They are not placed in the same hierarchy as human beings. So they're not subject to the same laws. You can't condemn a lion or a bear or a crocodile for the same crimes that you can a human being. If I go out and I fucking kill somebody, yes, I like just like some random person, I go up and shoot yep. him. Yes, I am evil. I'm a murderer. I have violated one of the Ten Commandments and I have sinned. And in that moment, I am evil and I will continue to be evil until or unless I atone and repent for whatever sin that I've committed. But animals doing that is instinctual. They're running on instinct and and base desires to survive. They're doing it for survival. They killed that pregnant impala or zebra because they had to survive and feed their own pride. That's not the same for us. And I see that a lot with these, uh, a lot of, Men who are very masculine and very virile, they try to go through that whole might is right mentality. And these are the same type of guys that almost always fall into the left-hand path. They try to try to say to themselves, well, might is right. I'm going to pack all this mass on and train martial arts and get really good with firearms. And I'm not saying that they're not good at being men. They're absolutely good at being men, but they're not good men either. You have to be both. In fact, you can't be a good man unless you're good at being a man, but you have to be virtuous. You have to strive towards virtue and to strive towards virtue is to understand that we're not fucking animals. We are not animals. We're not, we are higher conscious beings. And that means that you can't just be hard and strong and dangerous. You also have to be tender, gentle, merciful, because at the end of the day, there's always a bigger chimp. And at the end of the day, you're one fucking person. You are one person and you might, you might, you know, you might be the biggest, baddest motherfucker in your hometown, but you push those people around enough, it's only going to take two or three of them to take your ass down. And if those guys who want to act like animals and go by the might is right mentality, if you want to talk about nature, go look at go look at chimpanzees and see what happens when the alpha chimp of that troop ends up being a fucking prick and ends up beating up the other chimps. You know what happens to those chimps every fucking time? Those other chimps get tired of getting beat up, and so they gang up on that other chimpanzee, and they literally 
literally rip him apart with their bare hands. That's how fucking strong they are. That's what happens to bullies, too. Bullies end up getting fucking ripped apart by more than one person. Or a bigger bully steps on the scene and puts them in their place. I mean, there's... You know, we, we talked about bullying in this corner of the internet before. There, There is... Um, I think that there's two types of bullying. There's beneficial bullying, which means that we'll pick on somebody who needs it. They need that tough masculine love because they've never received it in their life. They've been enabled their whole life. They've been told that it's okay to be weak. They've been victimized and told that it's okay to be a victim. So they need to be picked on. They need to be teased a little bit, but they need to, but when they're being teased, they need to be told why they're being teased. What they don't need to be is fucking abused. I do not condone or tolerate abusing somebody because when someone abuses someone, they're just projecting their own damage and hatred onto someone else. And I've, I've experienced that before as a kid growing up. I've been, I've been bullied and gotten my fair share of fisticuffs with bigger guys, more than one guy at the same time. And But I've also been on the other end where I've had to check bullies before picking on somebody. There's a difference between giving someone tough love and abusing somebody. And this whole might is right bullshit where you think you're the biggest chimp in the yard, that's just abusing people. You're not doing anything good for your fellow man. You're doing to them what is probably happening to you at home with your older brother or your dad or someone else who kicked your teeth in and now you just want to go take your pain out on people. That does not make you exactly. a good person. That does not make yeah. you a productive member of society. What you are, quite frankly, is a piece of shit. You're a piece of Very shit. True. You never learned the lesson. You never learned the lesson. And I don't want to hear any fucking excuses because, like I said, I got, I've been bullied. I've, I've been ganged up on by bigger guys, older guys. I don't go around pushing people around. I could. Yeah. I'm a well-trained martial artist. I'm very strong. But I don't want to do that. I like being kind to people. And I like having that reciprocated. I don't want I – don't, I don't take any joy from people being intimidated by me or scared of me. Yeah. Because people who are scared of you and intimidated by you, they don't trust you. They don't trust you at all. They're not comfortable in your presence. And when people get scared of you, they start to fucking scheme and plot your downfall. And they may never do anything to you physically because they don't have the they don't have the prowess to do something to you physically, but they'll use indirect soft power to overthrow you. So that's why like it doesn't pay to be a tyrant. It doesn't pay to of course. sit there and say that, well, might is right, and I'm the strongest chimp in the fucking yard, and I'm just gonna <laughs> throw my weight around. That that is not sustainable for you. You know, he, most of these guys, they have this mentality of self-preservation at all costs. Well, if you want, if you want to boil it down to the most secular, rational frame of mind, it's not going to help your self-preservation in the long run. All you're going to do is incur like karma or whatever you want to call it, and it's going to happen to you. A bigger chimp or more than one chimp is going to come around, and they're going to they're going to knock you off your pedestal, and it, it's going to be nasty. Yeah, uh, like I said, I think this is the biggest thing, uh, insecurity. They're just insecure. Mm -hmm. They try to do these things, but they don't realize that, like we, like we talked about this whole episode, we are bigger than animals. We have this consciousness. And mm -hmm. being kind, being able to you know, stay calm, being able to just be you know, a good person, that is more powerful than just you know, being a full, full on animal. The best is, mm -hmm. of course, being both, being mm -hmm. strong, being powerful, but 
being aware that you are strong and being mm -hmm. kind. That's when you are unbeatable, you know. But mm -hmm. people like that are just honestly insecure. And the worst part is, like you said, they continue with this, uh, like this line of constant abuse. Uh, they were abused, they had some problems, and then they become the bullies. And this goes beyond and beyond, like for generations. And the smart people will say, all right, this happened to me. Why would I need to do this to other people? Why would I need to continue this ridiculous thing? Mm -hmm. um, because you're just creating people who have more and more insecurities. They think mm -hmm. they need to be strong. They need to constantly defend themselves. They constantly, you know, in, a, in fight mode. They're never be, ever able to be grounded. Um, I've experienced this as well, you know. I'm sure that maybe you can say that in army, perhaps, you had people like that were also like very... Uh, abused because they were abused like this is absolutely yeah it just goes and it's so ridiculous it's not masculine it's not anything like that it's mm -hmm. weak and and actually when you are strong when you are weak obviously you have the only option is to be weak but if you are strong mm -hmm. and you are able to at least act weak or, or not weak but be kind be able to um the biggest thing I believe is stay calm, like staying calm in difficult situations. If you can do that, then you have finally reached a new level of human being, you know? Mm -hmm. That's the greatest form of strength is spiritual strength, and which means like what I mean by that is, you know, you've built yourself up to be physically formidable and dangerous. You have, a, you know, decent amount of muscle mass on you, you know, martial arts. You, so in other words, you have the capacity to hurt and kill people with mm -hmm. your, your bare hands. But you choose not to. You choose not to be a bully. You choose not to be a tyrant. You choose not to have a, a nasty overreaction every time someone slights you, disrespects you, offends you, or you even perceive that they're disrespecting you or dishonoring you. That's true strength is, is the ability to restrain yourself and really think through you know, these, these situations and mm – -hmm calculating your head okay how should i respond to this i shouldn't react i should respond exactly because we've already that... seen we've already seen what happens when you give power to all these weak i hate using the beta male alpha <laughs> male dichotomy but it, it's going to serve a purpose yeah. for this conversation these weak beta male types like mark zuckerberg bill gates jeff bezos we've seen what happens when you give those guys authority they fucking abuse it the worst thing yep. you can do is give a weak man power because they don't know what to do with it. They don't know what to do with it because the only men who really know what to do with power are the men who have powerful bodies and a powerful mind and a powerful spirit, especially a powerful spirit. Because there, there are plenty of guys out there who do have powerful bodies, but their spirits are fucking weak. They have very weak spirits. And I, and like you said, I have served with a lot of men like that in the military. Now, I've also met some of the greatest men I've ever known in the Army. Yeah. And I'm still friends with those men to this day. They're incredible. They're virtuous. They're good men. They're good at being men. But I've also served with genuine psychopaths, sociopaths, sadists. I have literally served with guys who, when asked why they joined the army, they said, I joined because I want to kill people. Yeah. They wanted to take human life. And I don't even want to imagine what kind of terrible, dark, depraved upbringing they had to be imprinted upon with that kind of evil and I mean, personally, I believe that they are demonically possessed, but that doesn't absolve them of their issues at all. They still have yeah. their own responsibility to come to God and come to the light and be virtuous. And there's also a lot of guys who join the military. And, and, and what I'm saying is also the same for law enforcement as well. You get these guys who got pushed around their whole life. They were weak. 
They got beat up. They got bullied. Got shoved in lockers. Whatever. Mm-hmm. And so then they decide, well, I'm going to join law enforcement. I'm going to join the military and basically be given a license to kill and given a loaded weapon. And instead of understanding the responsibility that comes with the type of power that they've now been gifted and trained with, they abuse it. They abuse the shit out of it. They abuse their subordinates when they're given power. They're scheming. They're dishonorable. They're just the fucking worst human beings. Those are the type of guys that go and commit war crimes. When you read about like rape and pillaging and torture and all of these sick things that I don't even have the fucking capacity to commit because just thinking about it too long makes my stomach physically flip. It's those type of guys right there. It's those type of guys who get drunk on power. They they get drunk on power because at the end of the day, that's what they want. They want power. They don't want truth. It's not enough for them to build themselves up and have the power. They want to just blow it out full force on anybody and anything in their way that's weaker than them. Whether it's oh, other yeah, men, yeah. whether it's women, whether it's children, they are the worst human beings ever and those men don't deserve power those are the type of men that at worst and and i take no joy in saying this need to be fucking executed or or just stripped of their power and not given any kind of authority or leadership until they unfuck themselves and learn how to be gentle and tender and virtuous because being a man is a balancing act and that's what these guys don't understand being a man is a balancing act. Yes, you do need to be strong. You do need to be powerful. You do need to be dangerous. You do need to carry yourself a certain way in order to protect not only yourself, but those that you love, such as your wife, your children, your parents, your grandparents. But you have to learn how to be tender and gentle and loving as well. I think Jordan Peterson says it, like uh, become a mon- monster and then learn how to control it, you know, something like yes. that. Yes, So and that that's a great quote. I mean... But I think that for the most of people, you know, it's actually this just uh, we can like scale it down a little bit just for like an average person who might be dealing with these things. Like it's the victim mindset, I believe, you know, Mm -hmm. just feeling that you were wronged somehow in your life, feeling that you were maybe like that some injustice was done to you. And like this is the worst kind of mindset to be in and the worst kind of place to start doing any action. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if you feel like you've been like wronged, then everything you will, you'll do will be from this negative uh, motivation. You will be motivated mm-hmm. by the bad energy. And then anything that you achieve, it will be like, it will have the chip on your shoulder like, yes, but I did this because I was angry at my parents. I was angry at this person, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's actually uh, comes down to, uh, returns to our point, you know, about everything that happened, happened for a reason. And we mm-hmm. can either accept it and look to learn from it, or we can constantly live in the past, blame uh, people or anything else that happened to this. You know, it's again about choosing the path. Are you going to go to the righteous path, or are you going to go to the crying and complaining path? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, like, uh, it, it's, it's not significant for me at all. It might be to some, but, you know, for my story, like with acne and stuff like that, um, like, that's just one part I could talk about, you know, parents, I could talk about religion. I don't want to talk about it because why would I complain about something that made me a person who I am today? Mm-hmm. Why? I'm literally so grateful for every difficulty that I had because I'm right now. I'm talking with you right now. I have this beautiful opportunity to uh, spread what I've learned to other people. I'm thankful that it happened. 
Because who would I be? be uh, who would I be if that didn't happen to me? I would probably, you know, still do smoke, smoke weed, still do, still do these things. But mm-hmm. because because I've been blessed to have these experiences, not right now I can I can be here. So, uh, for example, for the, for my acne journey, like I will give this example for people. Um, like right now, my whole back, my chest is covered in complete scars, mm-hmm. and now. For some, it would be like, "Why, God? Why did you make me look like this? Why mm-hmm. did you give me these problems?" You know, um, and th- that's a victim mindset because you will be like, oh, this is sucks. Uh, look at this guy; he is luckier. He has better genetics. He has these things." Mm-hmm. Um, but if you are like, you know what? Yeah, maybe I do not have the best skin. I can still work out. I can still be a better person. I can still, you know, work on my mental mental gains, and then. Because of this, like curse, it became my biggest blessing because it motivated mm-hmm. me to do things. So, the same way people can look, even you know, I, I don't want to go in de- deep uh, in depth because I can offend some people. But you know, for trauma, something that really, something that really, like we suffered, mm-hmm. we can change our outlook on that suffering and see. You know what? Okay, I can actually learn something from this. I can actually see the good in this and this is a way of actually this is a way where we actually can turn something even though it could it was objectively bad or good we can turn it into subjectively you know good or bad same thing so with our perspective alone with our mindset alone we can look at any situation if bad situation and turn it into a good situation we can take something out of it and this is very hard like this is painful because we, we want to be victims. We want to be, yeah, but it was so hard. And it, it is hard when we are like, when we when we remove that uh, from ourselves. Because we are kind of holding on to our problems. We are kind of uh, being like, in, in this limited by our problems, by our beliefs. But if you're actually able to strip down all these things and say, you know what? Okay, this happened. I am a new person now. I I can actually what I do right now will impact the future. Like my future mm-hmm. is not set in stone. Our actions right now, this is what will impact the future. So it all comes down to cho- choosing to be a victim or choosing to be like a warrior, like mm-hmm. being thankful for the things that happen, even no matter how hard. Because some things we will simply not be able to control, like the way you were born, uh, the your skin, your stuff like that, your height dealing with it accepting it and doing the best with the other tools that you have that is that is literally the secret to life i'd say i agree it's i think what's difficult for a lot of people when it comes to accepting their trauma is that they they mistake accepting what's happened to them uh, yeah exactly. with, with with believing that they deserved it and that's mm-hmm. not true i've i've had my own trauma but I haven't had it as bad as some other people have had. Exactly. You know, for, for example, like, okay, so when I think of what's the worst possible thing to happen to someone, in my mind, it's it's being raped or being Same, like, yeah. sexually abused, molested. And I'm very grateful that that never happened to like my, my brother or I growing up. Mm-hmm. We got very lucky. You know, we didn't have evil parents or some other adult who had authority over us and, and did that to us. But I know that there are people that that, that, that does happen to boys and girls alike. Of course, I have friends who are grown men, and they confided in me that that happened to them as as little boys. And thankfully, these guys have healed their trauma; they've accepted it, and now they're you know they're happily married, have wives and kids. So, 
for anyone who's listening, you've been through some kind of trauma. You got a, you know, you got neglected by one of your parents, got verbally abused, psychologically mm-hmm. abused, molested, raped, whatever, whatever's happened to you that's been terrible and it's imprinted on you and then you're fucking struggling. Accepting what's happened to you is simply saying, okay, there is nothing I can do to go back in time and make this never happen. Yeah. That's all it is. It doesn't mean that you deserve it. No one is saying that you deserve it. And if there's anyone saying that you fucking deserve that, you need to set a hard boundary with that person and kick them the fuck out of your life. Yeah. Cause they are, they are, they are poison. They are poisoning you. Okay. I don't care who the fuck it is. If anyone's telling you that you deserved it, they are, they're fucking evil. Yeah. And, and that might be hard for you to accept if that's a family member that's saying that to you. All right. Cause I, yeah. I understand sometimes the people who were put in charge of loving you and raising you and taking care of you didn't do that. They fucking betrayed you. And I'm, I'm sorry that that happened to you. However, you're an adult and you're going to have to look back at that ugly, terrible moment or moments in your life and accept that that's reality. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. I'm not here to defend God or justify it. I don't know how to, and I'm not God. But there is a lesson in all of that agony and pain. The lesson is not that God hates you. The lesson is not that you should hate yourself or that you're ugly or that you're fucked up. The lesson is that you can overcome that. You can transcend that and you can become stronger and more beautiful than you've ever thought possible. But it takes you accepting that that happened. It takes you cultivating the strength and the courage to not be a victim and not let that define you. The choice is yours. Yeah. You whether whether you accept that or not, the choice is yours. It is your yep. choice. No one else can do this for you. I can't do it for you. No one can do it for you. God is not going to do it for you. Now you can be mad at God all you want to. That is your you're free to do what you want to do. But the sooner that you can overcome your trauma, like I said, I know people who have had the worst things happen to them. They have been molested, they've been abused, they've been raped, they've been beaten by their parents. They've been told that they're never going to amount to anything. I've been told that, not by my parents, thankfully, but I've been told by other people who I let rent space in my head that I was never going to amount to anything growing up as a kid. I could have accepted that and not been anything worth fucking knowing. I could have stayed in my small town and underwhelmed my entire life, but I chose not to because something in me always said, no, fuck that, fuck them, you're, you're going to be great. That You have that same opportunity. I don't know how long it'll take. I can't predict your timeline or how your life's going to turn out. But if you're sitting there victimizing yourself and letting those people rent space in your head, it's up to you to kick them the fuck out of your head and your heart and your mind. You need to kick them out. Kick them out and take control of your own life. You can't do that. You should do that. That is the only the only way out is through. You're going to have to confront your pain. You're going to have to confront your trauma. And look, that's fucking ugly and it's painful, and I'm speaking from my own experience, and I'm speaking from the anecdotal experiences of people who are very close to me who have been through multitudes and levels of trauma. It's ugly. It's painful. You're going to have to shed a lot of skins. But if you can stay steadfast and you can keep getting up every time it knocks you down, because there's going to be setbacks. It's just how life is. You can transcend your pain. You can transcend your trauma. You don't have to be a fucking victim. Don't let the energy of what happened to you years ago stay inside you. There is a time for you to grieve. 
and experience the pain, experience the anger, experience the feelings of inadequacy, there is time for that. But that that is a that time window is temporal. It's not meant to last forever. There are people who live and die carrying that pain unnecessarily with them to the grave. That does not have to be you, nor should it. That is not what you're really put here for on earth. That's what I believe. And you can find a way out. It's painful and it requires a lot of courage and a lot of pain. And not everybody who hears this is going to do that. And for those who don't, well, this is as much as I can do for you. I'm giving you the keys, but you have to fucking open the door. For the rest of you, I, I really hope that we're both planting seeds in you of genuine hope, not bullshit, not copium, of genuine hope and understanding that you can overcome this. I was not born with really any advantages. I really wasn't born with any, like, not any genetic advantages, not any financial advantages, that's for damn sure. I got here through grit and determination and through God's mercy and my own iron willpower. And that's something that anybody can cultivate. There are other people, there are other men in our circles who were born with, I guess, a better deck of cards. They had better genetic advantages, better financial backgrounds. So fucking what? I don't spend my time being jealous of them and shaking my fist at God and saying, Oh, well, I wish that was me. Yeah, that would be nice. It'd be cool. But so fucking what? I'm doing just fine, and I've earned those men's respect. Yeah. And at the end you know of the what, day, that's really yeah. what matters. It's respect. Yeah. You need to cultivate your own self-respect and switch that out for self-hatred or whatever negative bullshit's bogging you down. You know what, man? Like, people sometimes are afraid to say this, but you and I are literally humans who have experienced something, and now are telling this through the through the podcast now so some people are like you know I, i'm nature i'm nature build i'm this character this stuff like that that's great and all but how can we how can we actually impact people if we are acting like we are some superior superior in some ways than them mm-hmm. we are not <laughs> like we are just literally having a talk and speaking from from our hearts and that's the thing like i really believe that what you said is so true um and the thing is like it's like you're carrying a big, big burden on your back, a big cross that is literally just dragging you down your whole life. Like my, I remember my speaking with my grandfather when he was, you know, on deathbed, you know, like a few days before he died. I said to him, like, forgive those people, you know, like they killed his father or something. Forgive mm-hmm. those people. Let it go. Let it go for yourself, for your sake. Not, not because what they did was right. Like and that's that's what I wanted to touch upon. Like when I say uh, there's always something good, yeah. But of course, it 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 was horrible. I'm sure it was horrible. It sucks. No one is telling you that. Ah, oh, that's good for some reason. It sucks. But it's the way we view it. Is is how it's going to determine what happens in the future. And if we don't just accept it and move on and accept mm-hmm. that we can actually impact our life, that we are not what happened before. That's when we grow. But yeah, like I said, my grandfather, I said to him accept forgive like i was i was 15 at the time uh, but mm-hmm. I, I was still like you know you need to you need to let it go and like i don't know if it's related but like one day after two days after he finally passed away like he was struggling with cancer stuff that but he mm-hmm. he passed away and my grandma is always telling him to this day 
you don't know how much you impacted him that day. Mm-hmm. You don't know how much that conversation meant, meant to him to mm-hmm. finally, you know, release the the thing that was keeping him alive for mm-hmm. uh, like literally it's the same way we say keeping you up at night. It was keeping him alive, mm-hmm. that hatred. But when he let mm-hmm. go, he he could finally stop being in pain. So that's like that's lit- a literal way to view view it. Like he was he let it go and started and stopped suffering. But of mm-hmm. course, in our lives, in our younger lives, we can view it as we let it go, we accept it, and we can live freely from this point on. Absolutely. It is one of the most tragic and heartbreaking things to see people die with all of that pain, all of that anger, all of that regret still in them, holding them down to the very end. And that's why I say the type of things I've been saying to people about healing your wounds, transcending your pain, breaking free of the shackles of the self-enslavement that that mentality brings to people. Because I, I, it affects me seeing people die like that. And I don't just mean people that I love. I mean anybody. When I see that fucking pain in their eyes, like that, that, like I feel that. I feel that because one, I know what it's like to be that. And thankfully I'm not like that anymore. But also because I genuinely believe that when people hold on to something like that, that does lead to shit like cancer and dying in some type of painful way. I was like, just listening. To, yeah, sorry to interrupt you. I was literally just listening to um, it was Dorian Yates speaking on the podcast. But he basically, he literally said that uh, there there's a way to determine that actually a lot of emotional pain, a lot of stress, a lot of you know depression, depressing thoughts do actually lead to cancer, do actually lead to disease. Your body mm-hmm. is literally working against you. Yes. So so I totally agree with you on that point. And it's so right. Like mm-hmm. if we if we poison our soul, the way we act, the way we look, the way we, you know, go about our life, it will it will see. Like internal is mm-hmm. very much uh, transparent in a lot of cases from external, you know. Mm-hmm. Like your, not just your physique. Like I'm tired of people talking about your physiques, but you can just be your look in the eyes. You know, you look in the yes. eyes, the way you speak, it, it's just transparent, and mm-hmm. you can see if someone is holding uh, resentment in their heart. Yes, yes, yeah. We we say this all the time, and so do our mutuals. That all of this stuff is connected. Our minds, our bodies, and our spirits—they are all connected. And if one aspect of that is compromised, it is going to compromise the rest of us. I don't care. How fucking jacked you are with the low body fat percentage and six pack abs and bulging peaked biceps. If your spirit is compromised, your body is not going to last. Your mind is going to erode. If your mind is compromised, your body and your spirit are going to erode. And and I know a lot of intellectually brilliant people. Their IQs put mine to shame. They are genuinely brilliant people. They have profound thoughts. They're, they excel in their academic fields, but their bodies are weak. And what they don't understand is that it affects their, their, it affects their mind and their spirits. Those are the same people right now that are caught in the grips of all of this bullshit COVID propaganda. These are brilliant people who I admire and respect. And to see them so caught up and brainwashed, this that right there is the starkest example of what I mean when I say our minds, our bodies, and our spirits are all connected. And because these people went so long neglecting their spirits because they thought that science could replace God, 
And because they haven't taken care of their body, you know, they're not eating right, they're not getting any type of exercise, so they don't have a robust vessel to house that brilliant mind of theirs, they're compromised. They're compromised, they're complete, they have, they don't know it, but they've been lured into slavery. They are slaves right now. And there is exactly. nothing that their mind can do to break free of that because their spirits and their bodies are enslaved. Their, exactly. their, their mind is fucking imprisoned inside of a weak body with a malnourished spirit. And, and, and I can never about talk that, yeah. to them. I can never talk to these people and break through to them. One, because I don't have any like deep personal relationships with them. Like if this was like my father or my uncle or my brother, I, I would probably be able to get through to them. But because these are people that I have essentially a, a professional relationship with, you know, student, professor, or classmates, it doesn't sink into them because their mind, their ego has taken over. And because they're so objectively, mentally acute, they think that they know better. And there's only so much I can do. If I go any further, I'd be kind of imposing myself on them, which would be inappropriate. Yeah. But it just sucks to see that. It, it really sucks to see that. And I, uh, that's why it's so important that we cultivate all three aspects of ourselves, our spiritual, our mental, and our physical forms. And what you were saying about seeing it in people's eyes, absolutely. That, that's what physiognomy really is. Physiognomy is not about who has the best fucking physique and yeah. it, it looks, looks the closest to a Greek statue. It's what you can see in their face. I know plenty of people who have the best physiognomy in the world, and, and they don't, they're not going to win any Mr. Olympia contest anytime soon. They're not going to go in the gym and pull 400 pounds off the floor or crank out 20 pull-ups, but what they are is they're, they're sincere, they're virtuous, and they they might not be in as good a shape as I'm in, but they're not physically weak. They're, they do, they are mindful of what they put in their bodies, and most importantly, they're uh, mindful, and in many cases more mindful even than I am, of what they put in their minds, and, and their spiritual life is locked down. Like a lot of the priests and imams that I know are some of the most spiritually pious people ever. You can just see in their face, whether their face glows and whether yeah. their eyes glow. And when they smile, it reaches their eyes and they're full of, they're just brimming with love. And that love comes from God. A lot of these people that we're talking about who are struggling so terribly, they don't have enough love in their system. First off, they don't love themselves because they've allowed their trauma to define them. And they've sunk into this really nasty submission of believing that they deserved it or even if they don't think that they deserve it, they've let anger dictate basically everything about them. They do everything through anger. They do everything through insecurity and scheming. And 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 I understand it because for a lot of them, they're in survival mode. They're yeah. in survival mode. They're doing what they're doing what they think they need to do to survive because they've been beat up by the world. But those those are not sustainable things. Anger is not sustainable. It's it's natural to feel anger, especially as men. You know, welcome to having testosterone. You're going to get angry at shit, especially. <laughs> well, you and I, we were talking about this earlier. We get angry when we see all the wrongdoings in the world. That's why we're so angry. That's why we're so passionate because when you really when you really get down to the brass tacks of what passion is, passion is anger and love combined. That's where passion comes from. It's anger and love. But what these other people aren't, what I'm not seeing from them and, and what I wasn't seeing from myself when I was an anger-driven individual is that we're not use we're not transmuting our anger to create anything. We're using it to they're using it to exactly. destroy. And I was using yeah. it to destroy stuff. I wanted to just I wanted to be a destroyer. I was a soldier. I was in the army. I was deploying. I was like I'm going to be a fucking destroyer. I'm here to destroy shit. But 
look, there are times in life where you do have to destroy something, you have to destroy evil. But a lot of times you're destroying things inside yourself, which is good. You have to destroy the yeah. mold of your past self to become better and shed those skins. But you also have to transmute it and create things, whether it's creating life with a spouse and you know having kids or just simply creating life as you want yeah. it to be, creating anything. Look at look at the men who build the world, the carpenters, the engineers, construction workers, they're creating. That's exactly. the best yeah. use of anger. That's the literally constructive use of anger is transmuting <laughs> it and creating something, creating art, creating yeah. something that enriches your life, enriches community, and glorifies God. If you can transmute your anger, you'll be so much better. And what comes out of that is love. And if you it's connect with God and stop being so fucking mad at him, which is really, it, at the end of the day, it's futile. It's cut off. Where has it gotten any of you who, who are angry at God right now? Where has that gotten you? It hasn't gotten you anywhere. It just makes you more it's fucking angry. Uh, there's a lot of people out there who don't love themselves, and they've lost that really vital connection to God. Because at the end of the day, God is love. And when you see someone's face and it just lights up like that and they have that light in their eyes and their, their smiles are genuine, that's what that is. A lot of times those people are very high in consciousness because they're connected with God. They're connected with the divine. And that's how you get on a higher vibration and a higher frequency. And, and I know a lot of that sounds like that wishy-washy, woo-woo, new age crap. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. There's literally a higher level of consciousness when you submit to God and it brings you genuine fulfillment, not temporary happiness. It doesn't mean that your life's going to be perfect and everything's going to be hunky-dory. You're still going to have dark moments in your life and failures and setbacks. But what that gives you is a baseline of strength to persevere through all of that and still triumph. So I guess the lesson here, what I'm trying to say is transcend your pain transcend your trauma, transcend this victim mentality, which has been so pervasive in society for so long now, that that's the path to real freedom. You don't have to be like that. It is a choice. And like I said, a lot of people are going to live and die like this. And I, like I said, I, I really believe that holding on to all that anger, holding on to all of that pain, all those grudges is what leads to cancer and all of these untimely deaths and and you yep. see these people die. They just they just look horrible. And like a lot of these people are, they're already dead inside before they physically expire. Which, like I said, it's it's heartbreaking because I don't think that's how life is supposed to be lived. And you don't have to live like that. Exactly, exactly, man. But yeah, I I think we said everything on this point. You know, like it's like you said, it's up to people now if they want to. Accept first what we hear, what we talked about, and then accept what they have to deal with, you know, mm-hmm. because it's definitely tough. It's tough. And if someone was telling me this before, I would I would react to it with uh, resistance. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's it's uh, it's a necessary step, I guess. But, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people are stubborn, and I was very stubborn myself. Exactly. My, my dad tried to tell me so many things that I look back now and I realize, oh, yeah, you were right. You were absolutely right about that. But... I was so stubborn and I was so sure of myself that I learned 99% of those lessons the hard way. And I've yeah. said this before, and it's something that I got from my drill sergeant back in boot camp, but he used to always tell us you're going to learn through repetition or trauma. And I learned a lot of things through trauma. And, and a lot of it was literally my own fault, just shooting myself in the foot, not putting my ego aside, not really letting 
the wisdom of better men sink into me and think like <laughs> I could have saved myself a lot of shortcuts, but at the end of yeah. the day, again, I, you know what, at the end of the day, um, it is what it is. I've accepted it. And I, I managed to glean a lot of my own wisdom and value in that. And, you know, as weird as it sounds, sometimes it is necessary for us to learn things the hard way and kind yeah. of go through the muck. And, and, and it's weird that I say that because I'm not condoning. That's not, I'm not condoning it, mm-hmm. but I, I, I'm just, I'm acknowledging reality. The reality is, is exactly. that there are, there are times in your life where you're just going to learn things the hard way because you're naive you're mature, you're young, you you think you're 10 feet tall and bulletproof. And other times, whatever that lesson is, whatever that whatever that thing is that has that lesson attached to it, it's just, it's so tempting that it overwhelms you. I think it's not even an option of choice, you know. It's just sometimes we believe something, we fail, and then we learn it, you know. Mm-hmm. As much as we would love to learn everything from others, um, mm-hmm. we, we will have to sometimes fail. And the the failure the failure is a must if someone wants to get better in life that's just simple as that you if you want if you want to get better you you will fail if you want to stay in the same spot if you fear failure you will never uh, grow mm-hmm. you know but the the it's a i think it's a skill to learn from others you know to actually learn to be able to really look how someone did something and then how they got a certain result mm-hmm. I, I was blessed in the way that I'm youngest in my family, you know, like I have two older brothers, one older sister. And I was always like listening, listening, looking at their mistakes. Mm-hmm. And then it allowed me to, you know, get to some conclusions much uh, in much younger age. Mm-hmm. Um, and but I but I really think that if you really just adopt this mindset of observe, observing, less talking, less doing, but observing first, mm-hmm. taking everything in and then acting we will avoid so much unnecessary problems like not not because obviously yeah of course you can learn either way but if you can learn something uh, and not have to go through horrible things great this is not avoidance of suffering this is just being smart you know the the worst guys are like you need to suffer you need to suffer why who cares if i got the result if i'm a better person like who, will will someone give me a badge if i suffered more like wow you know you're so strong ridiculous you know yeah that's a that's a strange virtue signal that i find it seems more particular to men like oh your life sucked but let me tell you about how much my life sucked <laughs> exactly yeah it's like okay bro that like <laughs> You know, with all due respect, I'm glad my life did not suck that fucking much. <laughs> that does not sound fun. I I don't want to be set back that much in the past and have to overcome what you overcame. I mean, good for you for overcoming it. Exactly. Yeah. But it, but also, but the fact that the but the fact that anyone could boast about that is also not a good thing. Like I don't boast about my trauma. I don't think that's a good thing to do. I think it's a really unhealthy way to look at it because because what that implies is that yeah, you should go through this too, or you're not as tough as me, or or whatever. I I would love if my kids in the future, God willing, don't have to go through the crap that I went through. I would love if they learned from me. And I'm also I'm also wise enough to know that life doesn't leave anyone in case. So my kids will have to go through yep. some hardship, some kind of trauma. My duty as a father would be to minimize the damage done and you know keep it manageable. And also protect them from certain things like, you know, abuse, rape, things like that. 
Yeah. But it's, it's a very weird virtue signal when you have guys like, oh, well, you think that's bad? Look what I went through. Like, shut the fuck up, man. Who cares? Like, okay, yeah. did you did you learn the lesson? Did you get over it? Okay, good. That's all that matters. You don't have to. Yeah. And you don't have to brag is, about how fucking hard you are. Exactly. But the worst part is that most people that brag like that are actually those that haven't uh, gone through it. Like, they haven't gone through it, but haven't learned something from it. Mm-hmm. They are still actually in that state of suffering, and that's why they are constantly reminding you of the things they went through. That, that's the biggest problem. And, the, like, I say this often, that experience is a lot of the times overrated because it's not how much you experience. It's how much we learn from the certain experiences. That, that's mm-hmm. the biggest thing. So, you know, if someone, like, experienced one bad breakup, for example, and then got all of the lessons there, what's the point of going through many more, you know? Yes, absolutely. It's it's always better to learn <laughs> learn something the hard way one time and then really glean the value, like the silver lining in that and never make that mistake again. Yeah. I, I very rarely make the same mistakes twice. And really, there's only so many times you can make a mistake where it goes from being a mistake to, okay, now you're just making a, a series of bad decisions. And it starts to really reflect on that person and who they are. It's like, are you really making mistakes here or are you actually stunted in some way that requires a, I don't know, like a greater intervention or mm. chastisement, something, I mean, maybe even a form of necessary punishment. Exactly. But also, um, you know, you were talking about you were, you're the youngest sibling in your family. I'm, I'm the oldest of mine. <laughs> and thankfully my younger brother, who's seven years, my junior, he seems to have learned a lot of my lessons vicariously through me there there are certain aspects of his life where he's much wiser in at his age than i was at his age so Mm -hmm. i'm glad that he hasn't had to kind of go through those you know certain types of shit that i've had to go through you know being stubborn and and all that i'm not saying that his his life hasn't been easy peasy lemon squeezy but there there are definitely certain things that he was attuned to that i was doing wrong and rather than emulating me and becoming like me and making those same bad decisions or, or bad mistakes, he learned from me and didn't make those mistakes. And, and so in those parts of his life, it's much easier for him. I'm, I'm really thankful for that. Yeah. Even, yeah. even, even if I had to, even if I had to at that time in my life serve as an example of what not to be in certain aspects, I'm glad that the lesson stuck because I would feel extremely guilty if I were to look at my brother at the age he is now and see him suffering the way that I was at his age, I, I would yeah. feel terrible. Cause then I would, I would think to myself, well, certainly I've had, and I've had a role to play in that. Yeah. And you know, it's the same way, like literally with Instagram, like if you didn't have those problems or haven't experienced certain things, then you wouldn't be able to help others as well. Not just your family. Like mm-hmm. the, the thing is with my posts, um, I don't know if a lot of people realize this, but all of those people that I'm giving and like an example of, how someone was in a relationship, how someone acted like if, if he was needy or if he was doing certain things. That is, I'm talking about me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm literally, like 90% of the time I'm talking about me. Um, <laughs> and if I, yeah, I was literally that guy, like, but if I didn't have those experience, like, I wouldn't help, I wouldn't be able to help people now. So, mm-hmm. so, so I'm like, I'm really grateful for that. Yeah, but it's a, it's a funny thing with my brother, like, the one thing that helped me a lot, like he has a, a Instagram page on creation, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and uh, he and he has about three hundred followers, you know. And I was like, 
I will I will not speak in, I will not do any content in Croatian <laughs> never uh, mm-hmm. like that's funny lessons that I learned for example and he had to struggle like invest a lot of the time into it and didn't get any results back so mm-hmm. like it, it sucks of course but if if you if, if you are not like competitive you're like you know you know I helped someone then it's great exactly yeah. I think I think that's a I think that's a viable solution to redeeming ourselves or atoning for whatever sins we committed bad decisions in the past is if we can transmit that wisdom to other people and prevent them from making the same mistakes. Cause I, I do get DMs. I'm not saying this to brag, but I do get people DMing me from time to time. And it's mostly, it's mostly younger men, but sometimes it's also women. And they, and they thank me for something that I said or something that I shared, whether it's something I posted in my story or a tweet that I shared, or uh, something on one of my posts on my wall, they'll they'll tell me mm-hmm. like, "Hey, thank you, and you really opened my eyes to this," or you you reinforced something that some other wise person had said, and it, you know, maybe the way I said it, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, imprinted on them properly, and um, I'm I, I don't even take the credit on it myself. I'm just a conduit for God. First off, that's literally what I pray for daily is that God uses me as a conduit for his own will and his own glory. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, you know, this isn't like, I'm not, I know I joked about the, uh, the, the source. I just made that up, but if you look <laughs> at that, but if you look at that Venn diagram, I mentioned God in that. So as far as I'm concerned, this stuff is coming from God. And I'm also not saying that in a way that I'm a divine prophet. I'm absolutely not. And I don't want to be because I don't, I literally don't want that burden and responsibility. Yeah. Life is not, life is actually not as fun for divine prophets as y'all would think it is. If you read the scripture and really pay attention to the type of shit that they have to go through. Yeah. Like, you know, least, least of all social ostracization. But, uh, um, I'm glad that what I'm saying is helping people. I'm glad that it's, it's allowing them to avoid certain, you know, certain types of pain, humiliation in their life. Cause I mean, some of this shit is, it's really hard to come back from. It is really hard to come back from, you know, I, I don't subscribe to that whole no regrets type of mentality. Cause that that's, that's a very dangerous mentality to have. Oh, no regrets, mm-hmm. no regrets. No, if, if you've done something wrong, that's hurt you hurt other people. And typically you can't really do something self-destructive that doesn't destruct other people around you. you yeah, speaking from experience. Uh, okay. So I'll give one example. I used, I used to be a hard drinker. I started drinking at 18 when I got into the army and made it a habit. And it's common in military culture, but it's not healthy. It's not right. It's not good. It's a uh, terrible form of self-medication for post-traumatic stress disorder. And that's what I was using it for. And so people can look at that and be like, well, he's just really hurting himself. Because, yeah, honestly, I was never the type of guy to get drunk and start fights with people or curse people out. It was it was very self-destructive. But when I look back at the stress that it put my parents through, I come to realize, okay, no, this is not only self-destructive. This is affecting people who love me. Yeah. And so that was one of the biggest uh, reasons why I quit drinking cold turkey. And I've been sober for, uh, it'll be eight years in March or no, eight years in April. Nice. But that, that's one of the biggest reasons why I stopped. It wasn't just simply, Oh, I want to stop destroying myself. It's, it's also because, well, how can I look my mother or my father in the eyes and say, Hey, I love you, but I'm destroying myself. I'm destroying mm. the person that they created. That's, that's not self-love that that's destruction. Mm-hmm. And it's destroying them. And it's abusing their love of me. 
And so if I can help someone else break out of their bad habit, whether it's porn consumption, whether it's mm-hmm. alcoholism, drugs, weed addiction. And I used to smoke weed quite a bit after I got out of the army back in 2016. I had never smoked weed before, but then after that, you know, it was kind of, I didn't have to worry about drug testing. So I started smoking weed. You know, mm-hmm. I'd always been told like, oh, well, it's medicinal and this, that, and the other, which it is. Mm-hmm. It, it is medicinal. However, a lot of people abuse it. It becomes a crutch. And I always hear from the stoners, you know, like I make fun of the weed, bro. It's not addictive. Yeah, yeah. It's absolutely addictive because it's a dopamine rush. You're getting blazed out of your mind. And a lot of the weed now, now that it's been legalized here in the U.S., that mm-hmm. stuff is so fucking potent that it really people – buy it for the THC content, not because of the medicinal cannabinoids in it. And so it does become addictive. And that's why I went from being a regular smoker as recent as 2019 to, I really, I really started cutting down after spring of 2020. And I realized like, man, this, this isn't really serving me the way I thought it was. And Mm -hmm. this is another crutch that I have to overcome. So now I very, very rarely smoke weed. I'll still smoke it once every blue moon. I think that that's something Terrence McKenna said that I agree with that weed should be something that's imbibed very rarely. It's not something that's meant to be used on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. Cause again, if you're, if you're using something as a crutch, are you really transcending your pain? Yeah. And you know what? That, that's something that I see a lot of, a lot of the times, uh, that people start to justify their bad habits mm-hmm. uh, just because they are struggling, you know. Oh, you know, I can smoke a little bit, this little bit of weed because, you know, I'm feeling stressful, stuff like that. And okay, like you said, once in a blue moon, like when life really hits you, why not? Like sometimes, of course, but as soon as you are using that as something to cope with the mm-hmm. pain, with struggle, then are you really... I really that person. I, I, can you really say that you are working yourself, that you are transcending, or if you, are you just someone who is making excuses for yourself to actually uh, stay weak to do these activities? You know, mm-hmm. like I, I had many, I had a lot of experience that, especially with cigarettes. You know, it was, it was, uh, it wasn't easy to stop. But I was like, this doesn't align with the person who I am becoming. Mm-hmm. This doesn't align. Like the the thing is. There's an image of yourself, and as soon as something is out of alignment, it starts adding up, you know, and it starts to crumble as you start going uh, higher and higher, you know. That that small thing becomes more evident as you start getting better. You know, that mm-hmm. uh, you, you are an athlete and you smoke, okay. And as you start training better, as you start getting at the higher levels, that smoking will drastically uh, like uh, differentiate you for from a guy that doesn't and the guy who does, you know. It's mm-hmm. that small differences that make a big uh, impact. So, and of course, like you said, for smoking, for me, uh, I, when I started dating my girlfriend, you know, at that time, I was like, why, why would I do this when obviously it's hurting me? Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm, I smell like shit <laughs> and stuff like that. So, <laughs> so yeah, uh, many factors. But basically, with stopping something like that, not stopping, but even starting, like you need to be honest with yourself. Are you doing mm-hmm. this? To actually, because you are surrendering, like you, you are telling to yourself, I cannot do this without this, or are you just using it sometimes? For like <clears throat> with friends, it's, it's like it's like having a drink or something, you know. Sure. So I don't, I don't look at it like drugs and something else. Mm-hmm. Right. Stuff like things like weed are better suited as a rare indulgence or something that kind of helps you kick it to a, a different level if you need to focus. Like 
uh, I'll say this, like since I started smoking it rarely, mm-hmm. it does help. Um, nowadays when I use it, I'll use it right before I go and do an intense workout, especially like martial arts. Cause I, I will say this in defense of weed and, mm-hmm. and for its medicinal benefits, which really aren't reputable or disputable, not reputable, disputable is that it does help me lock into my body much better. It does help my mind, body, and spirit align. But again, it's not something that I believe should be used every day. So I probably, I'll probably use it once or twice a month now. But every time I do it, I I have an intention for using it. It's not that oh hey yes. I'm bored. Like the worst thing, the worst thing is what I see a lot of people do, and it's something that I used to be very guilty of. I'm bored now. I'm going to smoke weed. When people do it like that and with that bad intention, that's where you get a lot of the couch surfers who just sit around and yeah. they don't do anything. But when I, I know that I'm about to complete a very important task, especially a physical task, like I said, weightlifting or or martial arts, or if I'm going – or like writing. It helps me with writing. It allows my thoughts to flow a lot better. Mm-hmm. And because it, I, I, I become more aware of my emotions and how my body physically feels, it helps me synchronize much better with my writing. So my writing tends to flow. And it's also a great – conversational lubricant I find mm-hmm. because I can articulate myself much better and I'm much smoother. So weed, when I, because I'm smoking it rarely, it makes it a little bit more potent. So not only do I not have to smoke as much, but because it's more potent, then it helps me really synchronize myself much better. And so yeah, it becomes, yeah. uh, like I said, a, a better lubricant for my thinking, for acting, you know, like I said, doing something physical, like exercising, training, martial arts, hiking, and it's the same thing with uh, with psychedelics as well. I've I've taken psychedelics uh, multiple times, probably a little under a dozen times, and it's it's it, with with one exception. It's always been psilocybin mushrooms, and I think that mm-hmm. psychedelics are a very powerful tool for self transformation. Now, I'm not saying that they're for everybody. They're certainly not, and they're certainly not a social thing. I've never used them for a social thing. I have had trips with like a handful of trusted friends at most two, two friends at once is the most people I've tripped around. And I've also come to discover that at least for me personally, microdosing is much better than macrodosing. Macrodosing is where you're, you know, you're tripping out. Yeah. Like once every six months or something like that. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And, and that too, uh, again, psychedelics is not something that's to be consumed on a frequent basis. I, I, I would usually, I think the most I've ever tripped in one year was three times in a year, but I, I spaced them out months apart. Mm-hmm. I, uh, so it was four months between each one because your body, your body needs time to, to recover and process what you went through. I think what yeah. a lot of people don't understand is that psychedelics are an incredibly profoundly powerful spiritual technology that opens you up to the higher bandwidths of reality that we can't discern in our sober moments. And I'm very thankful for Joe Rogan because he's opened my eyes up to psychedelics and how they can help people. But at the same time, there's a lot of those people who listen to him and they just want to trip DMT because it sounds cool and they want to communicate with these um, entities. entities, Yes, these, these fourth and fifth dimensional entities. And I've, I've never taken DMT. I've never taken ayahuasca. I would like to take ayahuasca. I do feel called to it, but I'm, I'm coming, I'm approaching it with a very somber, serious mindset because 
there are people who take psychedelics for the wrong intentions and it fucks them up for weeks, for months, for years. Yeah, they don't, they, don't, they don't really understand what they're getting themselves yeah. into. And I've had people here in college that are like, dude, I want to trip DMT so bad. And the eagerness in their voice makes you think, like, do you really want to fucking trip DMT? Because <laughs> I'm I'm kind of scared. I'll be honest with you. Like, I'm kind of scared of, of yeah. what I'll see there. And it's not that I don't have faith in God to carry me through. It's that I understand that I'm very likely going to encounter these extremely powerful beings and at the end of the day, these beings are much smarter than me because they exist on a higher plane of consciousness. And so, you know, I don't know if my discernment's powerful enough to understand if those beings really want the best for me. And in fact, I already know that once I, I go on an ayahuasca trip, I have no intentions of reaching out and talking to those beings. I'll observe them. And if they reach out and talk to me, then yes, I'll respond out of respect for them. But I'm not going to take any if they were to offer me something i'm going to reject it because as far as i'm concerned yeah. they're not god i don't want what they have to offer i want what god has to offer and whoever i see on dmt it's not going to be god it's going to be some lesser being you know perhaps it's an angel perhaps it's a, a jinn or a demon or whatever the hell it is but it's not god and so whatever if they were to offer me something i would reject it. it's like no I, I don't want this no thank you i don't yeah. i don't mind seeing you I'm, I'm going to observe you while i'm on this trip but I don't want anything from you. I don't want to know the future. That's not my place. That's that's delving into magic and making deals with with devils, which is like I said, that's that left-handed past stuff that we were talking about. And I, I I hope that people who are listening to this understand that DMT and psychedelics and ayahuasca those are for spiritual healing and for processing things that you're incapable of processing while you're sober. I I always promote processing your issues your pain whatever try doing it sober first you'd be surprised what you can do sober just with a simple well not so simple it's it's complex but a really strong foundation with god first because when i was in the army that's when i was really doing the bulk of my healing was when i was in the army and so i wasn't taking any psychedelics i wasn't smoking any weed whatsoever i i ate my suffering raw you know, it really was just me and God, and God did wonders. There, there is nothing that ayahuasca and DMT can do for you that God can't do better. Let's just go ahead and get yeah. that out of the way right now. So I would really suggest for y'all, uh, for those of y'all who are considering psychedelics, looking into psychedelics, have questions about psychedelics, and the same thing with weed as well, because all of these um, tools, these plants, these funguses, they, they do have their own energy and they do have their own spirits. But try to process the difficulties and the complexities of life sober first. And, and if you need to take a psychedelic journey, if you really feel called to it, my suggestion, suggestion to you, which is what I've always done, is while you're under those trips, going on those journeys, as people call them, prayer. You, you need to be praying the whole time you're there. Because if you pray while you're in this state of spiritual and psychological vulnerability, God will protect you he's protected me because like i said a lot of bad things can and do happen to people who go on psychedelics with a lot of ignorance a lot of naivete and people will get possessed while they're on psychedelics because they're not looking out for themselves they get influenced they get damaged spiritually and uh, psychologically you know it's it's not uncommon for people to literally lose their minds and go mad yeah. while they're on psychedelics because they weren't paying attention they didn't stay close to god so you know these these things are vital and 
you know, and I can tie this into, you know, going back to nature since that's a huge part of our lives is that the, uh, you know, these mushrooms and these plants, they do have their own energies. And Debrinia Primal Thrive has talked about this before where he talks about how tobacco, which is another powerful spiritual medicine, has a masculine energy to it and weed has a feminine energy to it. And as someone who's imbibed large doses of both, I would agree to that. Um, it's not a coincidence that uh, tobacco, and I don't, I don't mean cigarettes, which is tobacco yeah. and a whole bunch of other terrible shit for you. I smoke cigars and pipe tobacco occasionally, not frequently, and I don't inhale it. But I smoke it occasionally, usually once or twice a month. And it definitely has a more thumatic, virile vibe to it. It makes you feel a lot more powerful. Whereas I notice when I smoke weed, it does have a, a feminine, more of a feminine feel to it. It gets you more in kind of your emotions. Yeah. The, the, the uh, tobacco makes you sharper in some ways. You know, you feel mm-hmm. sharp, you feel more centered, while the mm-hmm. weed makes you more like relaxed. And the thing it makes me, you like, more spacey. Yeah, the thing with me, I cannot, I, I, even if I wanted to, I can't smoke weed because it makes me too paranoid. Mm-hmm. I just get too too much anxiety. So that's work for me. But for this tobacco, you know, I, I love to do it sometimes now with cigars as well. But something that I've been taking sometimes is nicotine, pure nicotine. Um, mm-hmm. Like you have these patches that are uh, very good nootropic. Like when I'm really struggling to get something for writing, for example, I like you just just put it in your mouth. Uh, it's pure nicotine, like literally nothing else, and it makes you so so sharp. Like it puts you mm-hmm. into flow state so fast. Um, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone because it still it can be very addictive. Since I've since I've been you know addicted, I can very very easily see if I am going that down that path. But like for me, it's been working great sometimes. Like I you get twenty in a packet, it's lasting me like four months. So. Mm-hmm. It's good, but you know, to... <laughs> oh, that's my dog. He's just <laughs> a goober. Yeah, I, I want to touch touch upon something, but I I forgot. Um, yeah, about about the You're about, about nicotine. The... You're talking about nicotine. How yeah, it's yeah, a, a but potent the... tropic. Yeah, yeah, but of the psychedelics and stuff, and about resolving uh, issues raw, as you would say. I mean, it's mm-hmm. every, everything is raw with the solar sphere. Raw milk, raw butter, raw meat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> raw sunlight, raw sex. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, if you, the first thing everyone has to do, and some, that's is ridiculous, like, people will say, if I'm trying to resolve my problems, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. When was the last time, like, you literally did nothing? Just stand, uh, staying with yourself, sitting down, doing nothing. Not being on your phone and then like, oof, I cannot solve this issue. No, literally nothing. Just sitting. That's when you actually start to get things done in, in your head and processing things because we are constantly distracted. We are constantly doing so many mm-hmm. things that we actually never allow ourselves to process things. And we are like, yeah, but I'm trying. No, you're not. The first thing before psychedelics, before any of this is learning to, uh, you can say meditate, you can say uh, breathe, exercise, or just sitting with yourself, doing nothing. That's when you actually start to figuring out things like what we spoke about before podcast, like with the dopamine detox. Uh, when you are just allowing your thoughts to go and you are seeing them, you are starting seeing them pop out of your head. You can even journal. You can use journal uh, mm-hmm. to uh, write down these thoughts. That's how you actually start figuring out things. 
and not just allowing life to go like oh i will solve this life will figure itself out now stay with yourself uh, learn to love your own company you know i always say like uh have a 10 minute coffee with yourself every morning like with your literally with yourself like how are you doing man like what's up like be- befriending yourself that that's how uh, but not in a like uh, i was about to say a word that is appropriate, but not in a like a uh, girly way. That, that that's how you say it. <laughs> but in a way, like, <laughs> like 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 let's check out what's going on inside. You know, right? <laughs> I I also think that fasting is criminally underrated as far as people processing themselves. Like you were talking about the the dopamine detox, which is yeah. that's, that's that's a form of fasting. You're fasting off exactly of, exactly uh, dopamine. And what I'm thankful for in Islam is is Ramadan because it's 30 days of fasting from sunrise to sundown. And the bare minimum is that we, uh, from sunrise to sundown, we detox off of, or we fast from any any food, any drink, so that means water, mm-hmm. and also like sexual intercourse, you know, for those who are married. But I always take it one step further, and I detox and fast off of social media. I fast off of any tobacco, weed, mm-hmm. CBD, all of it. Like, it's just, so for like those 30 days, I'm just, everything is like, like I said, it's just myself and god that's it mm-hmm. that, that's literally it and i also um i also fast off of any type of media like movies tv shows i'll still watch something that's educational like i'll listen to a yeah. podcast um and then i also like like also music because music is, is hugely influential and i'm not even saying that music's ter- like it, music is bad based on the genre like i will say this there's a lot of overt darkness and evil in mm-hmm. heavy metal a lot of like most if, if not all heavy metal and hard rock is is very degenerate so is rap music there are there are some cleaner artists out there but they're very few and far between you got to kind of go harder to find them yeah but um any type of negative music i'll i'll fast off of that for sure because i'm not gonna lie when i'm working out i do listen to very aggressive music because it gives me that mindset yeah. to go with exactly. weights and then when i'm training martial arts like Muay Thai or BJJ, uh, you know, they'll put on gangster rap and heavy metal. You know, I don't control the music, but I also don't let the music control me. You know, there's a, there's certainly the a discipline thing. aspect to it, but fasting, fasting can do miracles for people because what the, that, that state of intentional self-denial is a sacrifice that we're making for God and God reciprocates by rewarding us. He strengthens our spirit and, it's also it's it's an incredible test of the human body mm-hmm. because then you realize oh wow I can still I can still perform physically like this body exactly. that God's put me in is stronger exactly. than I realized and that's why fasting is so good and it's great for weight loss it's it's also great for um, sharpening your mind you know sharpen your mind incredibly if you can put yourself through that and then your your own toughness and your resilience will will skyrocket because that you know I, I've talked about this before the whole uh concept of go muscle versus show muscle it doesn't matter how jacked you are if you're not a tough individual mm-hmm. it doesn't matter I, I know a lot of guys who have much better physiques than i do incredible physiques and it's a combination of good genetics and hard work and discipline in their diets they have much better physiques than i do you know they're, they're taller and you know they're more handsome and whatever but they're not tough they're very fragile they have a fragile mentality they 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 would never last on a hike with me during the summer or during the winter because they're uncomfortable. And at the end of the day, that's what, that's what toughness is. Toughness is comfort in uncomfortable environments. 
and fasting will help you with that. If you want to cultivate real toughness, try fasting. Uh, absolutely. Like I, I also love fasting because it shows you exactly that, that you have so much power over your body, like your mind, mm-hmm. your spirit is just so much powerful than we give it credit, you know, um, especially it's funny. Like if we, if we set like our intention on, I'm going to fast for two days straight, mm-hmm. we will be less hungry than we were, we would be usual. Mm-hmm. And it's a funny thing that just shows you how our intention is everything, like literally everything. And what we believe what, that we will achieve is what we will achieve. Simply as that. You know, if you said like in the gym as well, if you say I'm going to do 10 reps, better believe that you're going to do 10 reps and not 11. Because that's what you, that's because of what you set in your mind. If you're like, I'm going to give everything. Or if you are, for example, having those days where you were like pissed off, something like that. And then you go into the gym or maybe you're training with your friend. For some reason, you do 15 reps. How is that possible? It's the same body, like the same level of strength. Now you do five more reps. Mm-hmm. And they both feel the same, the same amount of failure. So this just shows how much we can actually like cultivate toughness just from our mindset alone. And things like fasting, things like going through these, like uh, maybe even cold exposure, you know, like that teaches you a lot. When you, when you go to your first cold shower, like properly, you are literally like, oh my God, I can actually do this, you know, stuff like that. So doing these things will just show you how stronger you are than what you believe. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> we're, we're really limited by our minds. That's it. Yeah. Uh, so so uh, shall we get into the questions that people ask us? Yes, yes, I agree. It's a good time. So, yeah. Just a moment. So our first question comes from people of the field. Shout out to that guy. <laughs> Great guy. At what age should young guys start to deeply consider spirituality? Is it a necessary prerequisite for beginning the solar path or something that should be pondered once they have made progress on other aspects of their life, i.e. physical well-being. Mm. What do you think? That's a great question. Uh, I personally believe that for someone that hasn't started you know, improving themselves, it's very hard to start talking about spirituality. They'll be like, what, what are you talking about? You know. Um, so we need to set a good foundation first. I say mm. it's with training. When you are training, uh, you are not just developing your body. You're not just developing, you know, your muscles and stuff and your conditioning. You are learning a great, a lot of great habits, such as discipline, of, firstly. You're learning to show up. You're learning to, that you need to show up to achieve results. You are also learning that if you try hard, if you show up consistently, uh, you will get uh, rewarded. And the more, the harder you show up, like the harder you train, the harder you do these things, uh, the better results you'll get. So it's very transparent, you know. Um, so once you set those habits, like when you start training, the compound effect kicks in and you'll start eating better. You'll start taking care of your sleep. And now you have this beautiful foundation, you know. You have these mental gains that are not very noticeable for a lot, but they are mm-hmm. there. And then when when you're already developed in that sense, you can start, I'd say, you can start focusing now on mental aspect more. I'd say doing stuff like meditations, doing stuff like that. Now that you now that now you get got that uh, mind uh, connection with body, and now you're like okay something is missing. Now that you got this great uh, foundation, now that you already got this disciplined mind, you can start understanding uh, 
you can start understanding the way of God, not, not God, you will never understand God, but you can start understanding how important it is, you know, because sometimes, and this is like a big problem, when, when, you, when you approach religion and spirituality from the beginning, you will forget how much important it is to do the work yourself. Like start doing the work yourself uh, because a lot of people, like we uh, talked about before, they put all of their problems to God and believe God will solve them for them. And that, that's the biggest problem. You first need to have faith in yourself to be able to have faith in God because if you are, if you just think that you are a weakling, like that's a disrespect towards God. You are not. You first need to show up do the work, and then you will actually be able to really appreciate God. You will be actually able to go to next levels because you now know God is with you. Um, so, so yeah, that, that that was like growing up. This was my biggest criticism of uh, spirituality because people would just say uh, they would just go to church, they would just pray and think they are done. They will they will go to heaven, mm-hmm. but in reality, you know, you gotta do the good deeds, you gotta do the work, and mm-hmm. that's how you will be closer to God. What do you think about the subject? I, I agree with everything you just said. There, There isn't an age where you're too young to yeah. connect with God. Um, the sooner you start, the better off you'll be. And like you, and like you said, it's not as simple as, as just, I'm going to go to church on Sunday. I'm going to pray, ask God to forgive my sins, and I can go and mm-hmm. do whatever the fuck I want to, yeah. you know, Monday through Saturday. That That's not how it works. I know a lot of... Uh, I use air quotations here, Christians who do this. And I also mm-hmm. know some Muslims who do this as well. There's hypocrites in every faith, all right? Yep. Yep. get that away right now. Um, these people are what I call superficially religious. They don't have a deep, enriching connection with God. And that, you know, a lot of times that tends to be just as much a reflection on their respective uh, communities, churches, mosques that they attend as it is themselves. So for the individual who asked this question and for anyone else who uh, that question holds weight for a lot of like your relationship with God is yours. It is individual. No one else can tell you exactly how to do it. Now, again, there are left and right limits. There is objective good and evil. So, you know, no, you should not go check out the church of Satan. That that's pretty, I feel like that's common sense, but I'm going to say that's so not be like what nature chat and nature pilled said, you know, it's up to me individually, blah, 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 blah. It is. And I'm not telling you what to do. <laughs> but, okay, so for example, for those of you who are Christian and you want to get closer to Christ, if you feel that your church, the individual church that you attend, is not filling you with God, with Christ, that is likely a sign that you should go explore other churches. Now, whether it's another church in the same denomination, so say, for example, you're Catholic or your Presbyterian, yeah, go check out another Presbyterian church. Go check out another cathedral. Perhaps that other community has found that deep and enriching connection with God, mm-hmm. and they're a better fit for you. If if that's still not doing the trick for you, then go explore another denomination. So say perhaps you're Southern Baptist. Go attend a service at an Orthodox church. Now understand that these are your choices, and your choices are your consequences consequences so you might you might catch some criticism or some backlash from your own community but at the end of the day those other people are not going to get you to heaven they're not mm-hmm. going to get you to heaven all right they, they have to focus on themselves and get themselves to heaven and so do you maybe you're already at a church in a community that does have it together 
And so really the problem is you. Maybe you need to check yourself, which first and foremost, that's that's always who you should check first. You should always check yourself first and say to yourself, well, am I really am I really worshiping in my religion and in my respective denomination to the best of my ability? Am I asking the right questions? Am I really praying to God and communicating with God as much as I should? Because spirituality is an everyday practice. It's not <laughs> it's not an aspect of yourself. It's a lifestyle. And really, it's the foundation for everything. It's the foundation on which the physical and the mental and everything else uh, lays upon. So there's a lot that goes into that. And also, I'll say this much. Have patience with yourself. Remember, you are human. You are going to fuck up. I'm not condoning fucking up. But again, I'm just acknowledging that it's reality. You're going to fuck up. Yep. Give yourself, give yourself some leniency, because God does. God does forgive people. He He forgives those who are sincere in repentance and atonement, and don't continuously make the same mistake over and over again into bad decisions. But give yourself a little leeway. You're You're not going to be perfect. None of us are perfect. None of us are Jesus. None of us are God. You're not going to be perfect. And even divine prophets have fucked up. Go Go read about David. David, <laughs> you know he made some grievous sins. So did, uh, I think it was either Lot or Job made grievous sins. I always get those two mixed up. But there are prophets who have made mistakes. Samson made mistakes. Uh, the reason the reason that those mistakes are listed in the Bibles is to show that you can, you can fall short of grace, which you will do multiple times in life. I have, and I will continue to do so. But you can always regain God's favor. So... Yeah. There is no such thing as too young for spirituality. That should be your foundation and that you build everything else upon. So yeah, our next yeah. question is from Neil Libertate. What is religion to you? Hmm. Well, every, every, this podcast is half religion, half nature. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, yeah. Huh. That, that's a difficult question to answer to me. I mean, religion in general is like... Um, a belief that is how do you say it like a structural belief like something that there are rules and that the certain rules that you need to adhere to 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 uh, I guess get in God's grace you know mm-hmm. um, I don't think I'm the right person to answer this honestly because I'm still very much exploring religion I'm mm-hmm. still very much you know um kind of moving on from the past pre, uh, like past thoughts past limitations of religion because i had a bad experience with religion so mm-hmm. i'm still more like you know just trying to get closer to god i i am a, i am a, i guess you could say i'm a christian but um i think you should probably answer this question because you are much more devoted in religion aspects well, I, I'm not perfect either, and I'm not even going to pretend I know everything about yeah. Islam or even most of Islam because um, Islam is just as vast and varied as Christianity. We have multiple denominations, you know, uh, Sufis, Sunnis, Shiites, and subsects mm-hmm. of each one. So I'm not going to. I'm I'm not a religious scholar. Don't pretend to be. I'm still winging it as much as anyone else could. Mm-hmm. I'm not perfect in my devotion. I, I don't always pray five times a day. I mess up. Um, my understanding of religion, and, and you know, if anyone out there, feel free to correct me, is from what I've seen so far, religion is a spiritual technology that provides structure for us to understand God, be close to Him, and 
find out what he has in store for us, meaning what is the path that he's laid down for us. It provides a structure of transcendent morality. It tells us what truth is and what isn't truth. Because at the end of the day, everything in this world is either true or it's false. It's either true or it's false. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe that in the best sense, that's what religion is meant to do. It's it's trying to help us understand God and the world that in the universe that he's created for us and placed us in and, and how we discover what our true purpose in this life is. Yeah. That's, that's pretty decent. I'd say explanation, you know, and I will just say also like, it's a way of bringing people together. You know, it's a way of, mm-hmm. it's a way of understanding life because obviously life is so, um, <laughs> we don't know shit. Let's just say like that. And it's yeah. a great way. It's a great way um, to give us meaning, or give us another layer of meaning. You know, mm-hmm. when you know that someone is there, when you know that there's this community that we are striving, that we have these ideals, it's a beautiful thing. But of course, like you said before, like you really need to find a good church or a good, you know, place where you mm-hmm. can chase these higher ideals. Because a lot of the times you'll go to. Uh, uh, to, 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 to church on Sunday, and you will hear talks about politics, about gender, about stuff like this. And this is that's not a place for that. It's a place mm-hmm. to, uh, it's a place to worship God. It's a place to uh, get yourself to higher levels, and not not allow the modernity modernity to influence it. You know, so mm-hmm. definitely, religions aren't necessarily bad. It's just the way the the way they are westernized. Let's say it like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what? You touch upon a great point there. When you are going to your mosque, your synagogue, your temple, your church, whatever, understand that you're not really there for yourself. You're there for God. You are giving a sacrifice. You're sacrificing your time. You're sacrificing your presence. You're there for God. You're there to receive his wisdom, his glory, his blessings, his forgiveness. But you're giving yourself to him through worship, through glorifying him, through praising him, through speaking his words that you take from your scriptures. Also, um, a great, a great question to ask people within your community. If you're, you know, if you're trying to discern the right community, because the right community is everything, you know, uh, again, spirituality is an individual path. Your relationship to God is an individual path. However, you cannot go through this life alone. You need people around you, which means you need the right people around you. So one of the best things you can do is when you're, prospecting for either the right faith or the right denomination within the faith and then the right community within that denomination of the right faith for you. Ask those people, what has God done for you? Okay, well, you're even even if they're adhering to all of the dogmatic practices and the doctrines, what fruit is God bearing in their life? Are these people fulfilled? Are they content or are they are they miserable? If you're in a mm-hmm. church that's full of miserable people, first off, you you'll probably feel it on a spiritual level. You'll, you'll probably yeah. feel very empty in there. But if you're in a place, and I'm speaking from my own experiences, I, I know that when I walk into a church or a mosque and these people are truly all aligned on the same frequency and they're all there for a common purpose, mm-hmm. I, I can physically feel it. And it's a yeah, yeah. such a beautiful, beautiful feeling that I wish everybody could experience and hope that everybody does experience that. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's a good sign that you found the right community to be in. Um, ask those people when you're talking to them, you know, what has God done for you? What What is he doing for you in your life? And and let them tell you. And if they're good people, they'll, they'll tell you and open it up because someone who's in a, a satisfying relationship with the Lord will will gladly tell you that. And then I, they're going to tell you that to brag. 
but mm-hmm. they're they're witnessing to you. They're witnessing like, yeah, this is what God's done for me. This is therefore this is why I believe in Him. This is why I worship Him. This is why I sacrifice to Him, and I'm thankful for the opportunity to do so because that's how you know that you're in a mutually reciprocal relationship with God. He bears fruit in your life, and He gives you signs. Yeah. So, our next question is a lot more simple. Have you ever taken DMT? No, I have not. <laughs> Neither did I. So <laughs> well, I think I think we already covered that topic on psychedelics yeah. enough, so I don't want to belabor the point. And our next question, should religious people, i.e. Catholics, Christians, etc., meditate, not for religious purposes, but for benefits? Uh, 100%. One, 100%. Like it, meditation is probably, besides training, one of the most important habits we can implement in our lives because uh, as soon as you as soon as you realize that you there's actually something beyond just reaction beyond just your you know regular life that you are not your thoughts that that the present moment is actually so beautiful and you can learn to be alive literally like you turn off the autopilot you start stop being npc that's what meditation does for you and obviously there are aspects of focus there are aspects of being calm um it, it's completely unrelated to religion and it shouldn't even be put in the same conversation so yeah you should definitely meditate yeah i I agree and i i tend to meditate when i'm out in nature or even just out Mm -hmm. my backyard listening to the birds sing i got my bare feet planted in the ground um because i mean and again if i'm 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 not a i'm not an expert on eastern uh spirituality which i know is where a lot of meditation comes from but Mm -hmm. for myself meditation is literally plugging myself into the present as deeply as possible, yep. just getting all distractions out of the way, no music, no television, none of that. Sitting out there, soaking everything in, trying to feel everything that I can perceive. I, I do think it's beneficial. And you know, however much however much you need to do it or should do it is really up to the individual. Not everybody needs to do it as much as someone else. I think it's something that you bring to your life as is appropriate and as is constructive. Mm -hmm. The final question we have, how to approach and help people who don't believe in themselves? Um, The worst, of course, you know, we talked about bullying and stuff like that, but um, Mm -hmm. the first, the first approach always should be the calm one. Mm -hmm. Um, And the way we do it is, there's this specific way of talking to people and that's to help them come to the conclusion themselves and not uh, push the opinion on them. Mm -hmm. It it doesn't mean it doesn't have to be extreme opinion or just something regular. Like when you talk to people, you are like, okay, so what's up? What what are you doing? You know, like "Hmm, you are eating this food. Why is that? Okay. So uh, so why do you think that is that a good idea to eat that food? You know, stuff like that. You, You are not like, this is unhealthy. Stop eating that or stuff. But you're like asking questions, they'll be they'll be like, yeah, you know, you're right. Actually, I am eating like shit, mm-hmm. or or the same way with someone who doesn't believe in themselves. Like, you could be like, all right. Um, first off, don't make assumptions, but go like, why why do you why don't you believe in yourself? First, go address it. Well, maybe the person will say, well, maybe you know, I'm insecure about my looks, or I failed in the past. Okay, then you'll be like, why do you think that happened? Like, why did you fail in the past? And they'll go like, oh, this and that, and just go in depth. And people will actually start realizing on the, by themselves that, okay, 
I actually am more capable. I am actually more, you know, have more power in themselves. But the worst thing that you can do is literally try to convince them that something is right when they have a belief that it's otherwise. And the second way to do it, of course, you know, is by an example. If you are not living the lifestyle, if you are not believing in yourself, then there's no point in even talking to someone. You know, there's, there's literally no point talking to someone or trying to help them if you don't have any uh, experience with that. So if you are believing in yourself and if you can approach the person like, you know what, man, I was like that. Maybe I had these problems, but I realized that it's all in my mind, that I'm much more capable, that everything that I do right now is important and not the past. That's how I would approach someone like that, you know. Um, obviously, sometimes if that doesn't work, you need to confront them with hard truths. But there's a, a big difference between being full of anger when you're doing it or just being like we said passionate like mm-hmm. when you're passionate like man i love you i want to help you know i want to really to see you win like what you're doing right now is not right i will help you i love you that that's the way you can invoke the, that feeling in someone i could not have said that better myself i 100 agree with that those, <laughs> those are the best me- best methods and the best order possible start off gentle help them process it ask them the right questions that make them stop and pause and reflect and think. And, and yeah, like you said, come to their own conclusions. Cause at the end of the day, it's the hero's journey is about them. It's not about you. It's not about you saving them. I, I don't want to save people's lives. I don't want that responsibility. I don't even want the credit. I want people to save themselves because that is, that's true empowerment. I don't want people to feel like they're indebted to me. I don't mm-hmm. want that. I don't need that. Cause because a lot of transactional type relationships tend to spring forth from that. People feel like they owe you something. It's like, no, you owe yourself something. You should be your yeah. own hero. You should experience that power and look back and be like, you know what? I did that. Yeah, maybe maybe uh, Nature Chat and I can show you the way, just kind of let you peer through a lens that you didn't have before. Yeah. But ultimately, you're the one taking action. You're the one processing exactly. these steps. You're the one saving your own life because you're responsible for yourself. Your life is your fault. Just like our lives are our faults. Um, and, and if those three steps don't work, you know, from being gentle and helping people kind of process their own problems, asking the right questions, coming mm-hmm. up with their own answers, all the way to giving them a kind of, you know, swift kick in the seat of their pants, like, hey, you know, wake up, you're you're fucking up, and it, it's go time. If those don't work, if you've, if you've expended those options, and, and I hate to say this, I'm not saying this to be nihilistic, this is just an observation yeah. of reality, not everyone is going to make it. I, I know, you know, we say that all the time, hey, we're all going to make it, bro. Well, unfortunately, no, we all are not going to make it. That is that is a statistical possibility or probability, rather. Mm-hmm. Not everyone's going to make it. Not everyone's going to unplug from the proverbial matrix. That's, that's just how it is. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying that it doesn't suck. It absolutely sucks. It's painful to see. I have people in my own family who are like that, where I yeah, have same. tried for decades, decades, trying to get through to them using all three of those aforementioned uh, tools to, to help them understand, you know, their, their destructive behavior. And it just does not land for them. Sometimes the conditioning of people is too deep. They're too weak. They're too cowardly. Mm-hmm. And those people, those people will drag you down. Okay. They will drag you down if you keep them close to you. So for those certain people, you have got to draw boundaries, hard boundaries. And that is not easy. It is painful, especially when they're a a relative. 
mm-hmm. especially when there's someone you've been friends with and you're just growing in a divergent path. You're, you're splitting off and yeah. you're going one way with your set of values and they're staying in place or degenerating with their conflicting set of values. You have got to outgrow those people because if you don't, they will hold you in place and you will stagnate and then eventually stagnation becomes de- degeneration. Yeah. So you have to really like you, you have got to save your own life. Again, I'm not saying that's ideal. It's not ideal. The, the, that's why the first thing you should do is try to bring them up with you. You know, we all go up together. Yeah. That's the, that's the motto. And it's a good motto, but to understand that some people are boats and they will rise and some people are anchors and they will, they will stay yeah. on the bottom. And, and again, it's unfortunate. It doesn't bring me any joy to recognize that, but that that's the that's the fate of the world it's always been the fate of mankind yeah. and yeah. those people even as fucked up as it sounds those people serve a purpose of what not to be that's the lesson that it's you true. learn from the people this is how you don't be they are the they are the necessary contrast to people who are genuinely virtuous whether they're prophets or saints or just good salt of the earth people mm-hmm. they're the necessary contrast so that you have a right, deep yeah. understanding of who not to become, of who not to be, how not to act. So, under, um, so again, like, yes, give it, give it your best effort. Try to wake them up, get them to believe in themselves, mm-hmm. but also understand that, that sometimes those people cannot be helped. And really the best thing that you can do, not only for yourself, but for them is to remove your presence because sometimes that's what's necessary. Sometimes you, those people need to hit rock bottom face first and get get broken. True. And then and then it'll sink in for them. And then if not, if it still if it still has not landed for them yet, that's that's how you can discern that yeah, those people are on a path to self destruction, and there's nothing more that you can do for them. Don't do not do not expend yourself. For other people at your own detriment. It cut off that, again. that is not noble. It, cut it is not again. noble. It is not heroic. It is, I don't it know is if you hear mutual me, self-destruction. And there are people you. out there like that. There are people out there who, who are seeking destruction. And they will drag people down with them without a care in the world. So why would you give your love to people who are not going to reciprocate that love? And they're just going to drain you. Beware of those people. But... There, most I would say most people are not above redemption. Most people can be helped. They can be, you know, they can they can understand and process their issues. So, yeah, and of course, the last thing I want to say is that even though those people, you know, are not going to make it, even though it's unfortunate like that, you can still have this healthy detachment, uh, especially for the family. You know, if you are living with someone, if they are your blood. Um, you can accept that they're not going to make it. You can accept that they're going to stay in their same level. But you can still love them. That's the thing. You can still love them. You can still appreciate them who they, for who they are. Um, even And still have this healthy detachment in a way that you already accepted the fact that they will not change. You are there if somehow it happens. You are there, but you will detach yourself emotionally from the things they are doing to themselves. Like It's funny. Like My best friend. Is actually like drinking, smoking, stuff like that. But I love him for whom who he is, you know. And I've managed to detach myself in a way that I'm not impacted by it anymore. Like I'm not influenced by by anymore. But I will still go uh, for a coffee with him. Even so, you can still, you know, it's difficult. And but the, 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 the it's not the right answer to completely ditch everyone from your life. You know, people are like, yeah, you are you're five like people you hang out with, but. 
it's it, it goes in depth. It's not just as simple as that. Um, and I'd say that, of course, if someone is like literally impacting you, like being really bad, uh, like do drugs or saying you directly to face, like uh, fighting with you, insulting you, that's a different thing. But if someone is just ruining themselves, you can detach uh, yourself from that and still love them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And and drawing those hard boundaries on them to whatever extent is necessary. I think that's a great place to wrap it up. Um, I really appreciate your time. Thank you for coming on here and having this wonderful and indulgent conversation with me. Yeah, man, it was my honor. Like uh, I expected a great conversation, but this was even better. And yeah, I'm just very happy for you for uh, for inviting me here. And I'm sure we do it again, either on my podcast or on yours. I really just enjoy this. Um, and yeah, thank you for being you. <laughs> yeah, man, of course. Yeah, I'd love to come on your podcast or have you on here again, both. You know, <laughs> so um, where can people find you? Yeah, so my main platform is on Instagram, uh, nature.chad. Uh, that's that's basically where I post everything. You'll see my podcast is also, uh, it's called Nature's Honor. It's everywhere on every platform. Um like we discussed in the beginning, I also have now a cookbook. You can check that out. Uh, everything is on my page. You will find everything there. Uh, my Telegram as well. Like everything, every info will be on my link tree, basically. Devin can leave the link tree link in the description. And yeah. So yeah, but th- th- just thank you, thank you very much again for having me here. And we'll talk again soon. Yes, sir. It's my privilege. And uh, I'll get all those links posted in the show notes. So thank you. until next time, everybody. God bless.